Mr. Fabulous. How marvelous it is to see you. You're looking younger than ever. Wait, you guys can't come in here. <laughs> Nonsense, my dear fellow. My brother and I have come to dine to celebrate my early release from the service of the state. Come, Elwood. Let us adjourn ourselves to the nearest table and overlook this establishment's board of fare. Give us a bottle of your finest champagne, five shrimp cocktails, and some bread for my brother. We have a Dom Perignon, 71 at $120. That'll be fine, pal. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? What? Your women. I, I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Mayor D. Mayor D. Uh... Carter, Carter. You are going to ask me to call the cops? We're putting the band back together. I said no, absolutely not. You, how much for your wife? <laughs> putting the band back together. We need you, man. We need your horn. I can't. I really can't. We got everybody except Matt Guitar Murphy and Blue Lou, and we're getting them next. No way. If you say no... Elwood and I will come here for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week. Okay, okay, I'll play. You got me. Sir. 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 Uh, six minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of October. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the... I hate to say this. Can you turn me down ever so slightly? No. It's just too much No. Uh, what was I saying? Ah, we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk to this, my friends. is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along on this excursion into amusements. It is uh, 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, musings, queries, observations of a perverse nature, whatever it is you might have. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie slash Rochelle is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Or Timmy Ryan at 970.am. Uh, all right. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today. Uh, there is no Ira Melman again. I asked for Ira Melman. I'm thwarted on Ira Melman. We were told we will never get Ira Melman. Ira Melman has been denied to me today and forevermore. Ira Melman is always off by the time we get on the air. Yeah. I. It seems like there's a pun there. I, Ira. Ira Mem. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer from Atlanta today. Uh, listener Sean will be coming in to count down his top five. So I heard from Lisa Desjardins this morning, actually, about her top five. So we're doing the whole teenage moping thing. 
We are bringing it to a close today uh, out of the many, many, I mean, I think there was like probably 65, uh, 68 different submissions from listeners who, who would offer to come in and count down their personal top five teenage moping songs. So our thanks to everybody who submitted. It, it really, it was, it, was, it was very difficult to pick one. Um, but, uh, but pick one, we did. So today, listener Sean will be coming in to count down his top five teenage moping songs. And then I believe either tomorrow or Wednesday, Lisa Desjardins will do hers. Yeah, it's really just a function of her schedule. Then it'll be done. Done. Done forever. Uh, what else is coming up today? One o'clock today, our good friend Craig Gass will be in the studio today. Uh, Craig Gass, impressionist and comedian extraordinaire, joining us in the studios at 1 o'clock. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Clergy Watch coming up today. Let's see, what else? Anything else? Well, some other notes and some other, you know, some other things of an amusing nature. It is 503-733-2970 on this uh, Monday. Timmy Ryan in for the vacation and Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification. The stock market's up. Gas prices are up, and Maureen McCormick from the Brady Bunch admits to being a cohort. Is that it? Those That's are the it. big headlines of the day. Is that the extent of your preparedness? Yeah, and there's a helicopter that crashed somewhere, but we'll get to that later. All right. Those, oh. are, the, that, those are the important stories. As long as a girl from the Brady Bunch was putting out in exchange for drugs, it's a good news day. Timmy Ryan? Yes. It's a great day to be alive is what it is. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you today? Oh, that was fast. I didn't expect you to get to me so quickly. You know, uh, it's okay. You know, yeah, hey, I'm doing I'm very well. I thank have to you. say you look fantastic today. Oh, thanks. Trying to figure out exactly what it is. Are those new glasses? No, no, I've had these for about six months, but I was wearing my other, like, clear ones that I have, and I'm just, I'm so tired of them sliding down my nose. So these are the ones that I initially, these are like my business glasses. Those are like your Ashley Banfield Yeah, and I hadn't worn them in a few months, and I put them on this weekend because my eyes were hurting. I'm like, ooh, I really like these. I've been wearing them all weekend. All right. And my eyes feel a little better. Let me just say this about you and the way you dress and the way your house is decorated. Uh, because your apartment is fantastic. We were talking about this because we went to your... Uh, your I spent a lot of time in my super clean, awesome apartment this weekend. It your birthday swall, right? Now, did you, yeah. get back, get it, did you get it back to being clean after the party? Yeah, the only thing that was really trashed was the kitchen, and it took... Three giant garbage bags to clean yeah. up all of the beer bottles and everything. I just, I was just amazed at how much my friends can drink. Do you ever do this? Do you ever go through and you clean your office, your house, your bedroom, whatever, and you fill up multiple garbage bags, and then you go back in and it doesn't look any different? It doesn't oh, look yeah. any better at all, and you're just kind of going like, I, I just dumped like 500 gallons worth of crap from here. Like, no, where? I went, the, I went to the Blazer game yesterday, and then um, went out with a couple, went out to dinner and like, and had a couple cocktails afterward. So I was feeling all good, and I got home at like 11 and just cleaned my entire apartment. Good for you. I just garbage bag everything cleaned my back porch like I said when I woke up this morning I walked into my kitchen it was all just lovely and beautiful late night cleaning jag it was uh, I know it was kind of a crazy person um alright well let's see hold on let me just make a little note here oh what were you going to say about else? the clothes oh I was just going to say this so this was this has never been this has never been a thing at which I excel but you don't really realize how bad you are at something until you've had assistance and then have to go do it yourself here's what I mean by that and then I will tie this back into your apartment and the way you're dressed today so Lara and I went out um, on, Jesus, it must have been, oh, wait, wait, in fact, I think it was Thursday night after we'd gone to your house, and you have this great, so you have this great setup where you've got a, and this sounds weird when I'm describing it, but in your place, you've got these sort of glass front cupboards, and your cupboards are not filled with food or dishes or glasses or books like they would be in a normal house. Your cupboards are, in fact, filled with purses and handbags. And I know that that makes you sound like some sort of crazy weirdo bag lady, and it really does look quite stylish. I mean, even I can recognize that. And then where normal people would have, I don't know, again, like you know, like books or maybe knickknacks or something, you've got this huge display of sunglasses with Christmas lights around them. 
And I mean, I'm making it sound terrible, but it's but but it, but it looks great. It really, really does. And on the way home, Laura and I were just kind of going like, how do you, like, how do you even know to do that? And we were sort of. This is the conclusion I came to, and I do have a point with this whole thing. Is that the conclusion I came to is that you knowing what goes together and what works and what accessories go with what outfit and how you can decorate a certain section of your house, that is kind of like. Lara knowing, like I could just drop her in the middle of Baghdad and within five seconds she would know where she was, what direction she was facing, and where to walk to get to the place she needed to be at. And so it is with me, where I can just sit and bump my gums for four hours a day with really, you know, with no real demonstrable purpose or preparation or whatever, and I can just sit and I can well, babble. Well, already all inside of your head. Right, that's the thing. I can just, you just like I'm some, like, chatty Kathy doll that just pulls its own string for four hours a day. And so everybody has... As they say in the jerk, one special thing. And you can't explain it. You don't know how you do it. It's just a thing that is inborn. It is a thing that is inherent. It is intrinsic in your makeup. So, Lara knows how to find her way places. She has a good sense of direction and of spatial relations. Uh, I could sit and just uh, you know, talk for 240 minutes at the drop of a hat about anything or nothing at all in particular. You know what goes with what. And so today... This is what Sarah's wearing today. So you've got your hair down. You've got this black, I don't know, like a black top. Mm -hmm. You've got a black top. You've got sort of gray fingerless gloves. And then you're wearing this necklace that is two sort of aquamarine colored doves on a chain. And it's just, it, I would have no ability to look at those things and realize that they go together. And I am impressed that you know how to do that. But I know that it's a thing you probably can't even explain. You probably couldn't even explain how you know that certain things work. I wear ridiculous clothes and I just, and I'll put accessories on and maybe I look silly to somebody else. But I'll look and I'll be like, that's it. I got it. See, that's the thing is it's, it's, it is just something that you cannot quantify, but it is some part of your brain that just knows how to do it. What do you think so. Timmy Ryan's special gift is? Timmy Ryan, what is your special gift? I don't think I have one. Are you wearing iPod earphones? Yeah. All right. Clearly, your your special gift is... Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So uh, and, and so this is all uh, by way of saying that I went and I did some limited clothes shopping this weekend. Oh, yeah. We're going to do that this week, too. Well, we have to go out and we have to buy your more stuff. Side project? Yeah, uh, this week because... I, I was able to buy one shirt. I spent like four hours dragging my uh, wife around, who was a good sport, and sort of followed me around from store to door, uh, store to store, to store to, as I was trying to buy stuff this weekend. And I ended up buying a few pairs of jeans, but even that was just, and it was just like a swan dive into a lake of fire. I mean, it was just hours and hours of living hell, trying to figure out exactly what I was going to buy and how I was going. First of all. We talk a lot about things, uh, you know, we talk on this program about things that need to be invented or is sort of scientific advances that still need to be created. Here's the thing they need to create in the future. They don't have this now, but they need to. There needs to be a store, and I'm thinking specifically the store for guys. There needs to be a store where you walk in and you get up and you stand on something that's like a scale, and then it just does the full-on laser scan, and it says, look, here's exactly what size you are, and then it takes you exactly... Like, there's a conveyor belt that then brings out clothes that will fit you. That's what they need. And I know that women wouldn't use that service because women, you know, you don't want that on file anywhere. All and women... clothes, like, fit differently. Different designers get it a different but thing. But see, that's the thing. Here's what they need to do. Somebody needs to create some sort of a device, some sort of spectrometer, which is a word I think I just made up right now. But it'd be like that thing at the beginning of Aliens when they cut open the, um, when they cut open the escape pod from the, the Nostromo. And this sort of escape pod goes in, and there's Ripley there and Jonesy the cat or whatever. And there's that big laser thing that just sort of sweeps over the interior of the cabin and goes... And it analyzes.
analyzes everything in the cabin, what sort of life forms there are. I want the Gap to get one of those. I knew you were going to say the Gap. Because I'm lame. And no offense to the Gap, I'm just saying. The Gap isn't scary for you. I'm just, that's what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with the Gap. Uh, If I thought that it was a bad store, I wouldn't shop there. It really is about me having no idea what to wear, no idea what goes with what. And as, you know, my wife has admitted this, so it's not like I'm calling her out. My wife doesn't really know what I should wear. She doesn't really have any sense of what kind of clothing I need. So I just want a thing where I can walk into the Gap, I can stand there, and some sort of robotic arm comes out and goes and figures out exactly what my whatever what my arms are and what my, my my waist is and how tall I am and then it just says look you can wear anything from here to here and from this shelf all the way down to this shelf nothing else will fit you but these things will because I think I speak for all men and probably not a few women when I say that it's just an, an exercise in just excruciating torment is trying on one shirt after another and one pair of clothes and and not to mention the fact that this weekend I was putting on shirts and then of course you know my wife is no roadmap so I walk out of the dressing room and you're not there and of course if you're not there to help me figure out what to wear I'm just flailing around in a sea of aesthetic inanity so what am I doing I'm finding the first female uh, that I lay eyes on and asking a complete stranger if I look good so I walk out of the dressing room hi gap lady what do you think of this and then she looks at me and she says I don't know. I think your torso wants a different cut. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Just find me something. The ones that your torso wants a different cut. Do you know this? You know, here's a thing I found out this weekend. Do you know that the Gap actually does not even? Ma- here's how no, Rick, weirdly. I haven't been to the Gap in like seven years. Let me just tell you then. Here's how weirdly shaped I am because I, for good or bad, I've lost a little bit of weight, uh, and so I am now so weirdly shaped. They don't even make the kind of shirt I need anymore. Well, because you're really thin, but you look like you're still kind of squishy because you don't really exercise. And apparently I'm too tall to be this thin. So they actually don't even make the kind of shirt that they want me to wear. You're too tall to be that thin? Yeah, because I put on a shirt in the dressing room and I come out and the woman says, Well, that's no, that's too big. you got to go down a size. And I said, well, okay, we, you're you're the Gap person. So well, I my give friend, a, I think you just need to be shopping at a different store because if they're not catering to your body type, then you don't need to settle for something that doesn't fit you. Well, that's what I'm saying. So she brings, so she takes me down a size. She brings back another shirt that's one size smaller. I put it on and I come out, fits my torso all the way through here, comes right to the top of my pants. You know, so you get to see like the big half inch of like Rick's white stomach. And she said, okay, so. Um, what you're going to need to do is, uh, you're going to need to wear a small tall, and that's probably the thing that's going to fit you. So we don't have that here. So what you want to do is go to the online store, and which to me is a great answer, though, because I'm like, okay, great, online store. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to have any human interaction. I can do it all while sitting in my boxer shorts alone. So I go online. Do they carry that size? No. So I call the customer service number. The guy says, hey, uh, Gap customer service, how can I help you? I said, hey, uh, I, need, I need a small tall shirt. And the guy says, what do you mean? I said, I need a shirt that is small through the, you know, Both whatever, but tall. but tall. And so I hear this shuffling through the catalog, and I hear the guy going, hey, do we even make a small tall? I didn't think so. No, I'm sorry. You're screwed. So they don't actually even make the size of shirt that I need. I think it's time to say goodbye to the Gap. Well, I'm going to continue to buy I my jeans there because the they gap. fit me well. But from the waist up, I need to start shopping somewhere else. And that's why you're going to help me. Yes. So there you I go. refuse to set foot in there, though, Rick. We're not even going in there. Well, you but see, the thing is... Because you need to open your eyes. See, like, if we go together, then that means I can open your eyes to maybe other stores that you're not completely connected to, you know? Well, I'm saying this. I will probably continue to buy my jeans there because the jeans there, they fit me. They work. They're great. 
Uh, and this is, I'm not getting some paid plug or endorsement or whatever. I'm just saying I buy my jeans at the Gap because they work really well. They fit me. They're polite. They're whatever. You know, they're, they help me out. Uh, but apparently I'm now just misshapen and mutated from the waist up. And so... Stuff from the Gap has never fit me because I've always had a... This sounds crude, whatever. I've always had a big ass and a small waist. And that's like... <laughs> and the Gap is not designed for people that have any kind of butt whatsoever. Like, I'm buttless. So. Yeah, like as girls, except for if they have like, you know, like ones meant for curvier girls. And then they're all like, you know, mom jeans, like high-waisted up to like past your belly button. Right, right. So I'm just... I've never been able to find pants that fit me that well. All right. Well, I am... Uh, but all right. So you have your pants? So now I am for all intents and purposes. I am uh, I am essentially assless. So, uh, you know, so that's... It's fine. I'm set. It's all good for me. Um... Uh, and let me just say this. Here's a little confidential for me to everybody else. I'm not going to identify the store where this happened, but so I'm walking through the mall with uh, with my wife, and we at one point have to duck into a sh- uh, like a shoe store because she's a girl, and it was the least I could do because she'd been tagging along with me for like three and a half hours where I'm trying to find things that fit me. We go into a shoe store because my wife has somehow been swindled into into trying these new shoes. Which are round bottomed, you know what I'm talking about? Have you yeah. seen those shoes? And I won't identify them by name, but they're this type of shoe that they're trying to shove on the women now as being better for you. I saw an advertisement for them actually at the Blazer game. I'm going to tell you this that's a joke. That's a novelty shoe, and somebody has made a bet that they can get people to wear those. And you know what I'm talking about. It's, I mean, it's, and they're it's, like rounded, like rocking chairs. Exactly. That's exactly what they are. They are regular sneakers or shoes, but the bottom is just, it's exactly what it is. They're like shoes that have the bottom of a rocking chair. And so my wife said, we need to go out there and try on these round-bottom shoes. And I said, why? And she goes, well, because I hear that's what everybody's wearing. Do you know how much those cost? Mm, $180? $270. Wow. Yeah. That's a joke. Some guy in a conference room somewhere in New York has made a bet with his friends that he can get you to wear shoes that are round-bottomed. So did Laura like them? Did she try them on? Uh, she tried them on, and they made her feet feel all weird. You know, because they have round bottoms. You know what those shoes are? That's going to be like three, four years ago when everybody was talking about those shoes that slanted backward. And then they were supposedly all better for your feet. You know what I'm talking about? Those earth shoes? Yeah, about three, four years ago, they were trying to get nurses, which my wife is, to wear these earth shoes. And the gimmick of the earth shoes is that they slanted back. And so, therefore, I think it extended your Achilles heel or something over time and gave you, like, it it helped your, your hamstring or your calf or whatever. This is the new version of that. So there was a whole bunch of women just sort of flittering around it like moths around a porch light trying them on. And I said really loudly, you know, in five years, this is going to be one of those items of clothing we all make fun of. It's going to be a punchline, and here you are looking at these clothes. It's going to be a few, this is a future entry in a pop culture encyclopedia. What kind of dumb round bottom shoes were people swindled into wearing in 2008? Oh, so. totally. All right. So there you go. Um, what else was I going to say? Well, that's pretty much it on the clothing front. I'm just saying... From from the waist down, I'm taken care of. Waist up, whole lot of bad news. What moves. kind of shirts are you looking for? Do you want like t-shirts or do I, are you going to get like? Well, I need to find up? some button-up shirts because everything in my closet's a little little too big for me at this point. It's you know. anyway. So there you go. So okay, we shall brave the Lloyd Center Mall together. If you, you buy me a taco time, see so what do I want? Uh, you whatever you Top want. Taco Supreme. Yeah. Camera can give you the hookup. Whatever you want. I just except uh, yeah. Just from the waist up, I'm just a disaster. So I need your uh, I need your assistance with that. Okay, uh, what else from this weekend? Oh, here's a little confidential from me to a guy named Mike. Do you ever read Dear Abby or Dear Margot or whatever it is? And occasionally it's, you know, confidential to Wondering in Wichita. Here's a confidential to Mike in Multnomah County. So Mike sends me this MySpace message the other day. Not a comment, not an email, but in the little the MySpace inbox. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, Rick, I have a question about that Night of the Living Dead stage play. What is up with that? And for the record, I don't think they're doing it this year. I think they're taking a year off. But... 
He emails me or he sends me a MySpace message and he asks me about it. I go to respond back to him and I get that little error window that comes up and it says, you must be a friend of Mike's to respond to him. That is so annoying. That happened to me too. Yeah. That ha- that's happened to me when I, I write out a whole message and I click send. It's like, we're sorry. You must be a friend. Right. And it deletes the message and you never get the message back. So I tried to respond back to him and it said, I'm saying, you know, you, you may not respond to Mike because you are not one of Mike's friends. And I thought, well, all right, well, you know, his loss. And so I just thought, forgot all about it. Next day, I get another inbox message from this guy, Mike. This one's a little snippy. It's like, hey, Rick, what's it? You're too, too big and important to respond back to me? Can't even be bothered to respond to a listener's messages? And I thought, all right, jackass. So I click on his name, and I go to his MySpace page specifically for the purpose of adding him as a friend so that I can respond to his snarky uh, MySpace message about this Night of the Living Dead stage play. So I go to Mike's MySpace, you know, click, add as friend. What does it say? To add Mike as a friend, you must know his last name. <laughs> of course, his last name, I don't know his last name because I can't message him. Can't message him because he's not a friend. Can't add him as a friend because I don't know your last name. So you know what, pal? Your problem. Deal with it yourself from now on. That is, a, that is your difficulty for setting up your MySpace account uh, in a jackass fashion. So I hate the sound obnoxious about it, but really. No, I've gone through that same frustration where someone had given me like a, a potential like job opportunity as like bartending some like um like art show thing. Right. And so I tried to contact the person. He's like, this is my friend's MySpace page, writer. So I tried to write her. Couldn't write her. Then I tried to add her as a friend. Couldn't add her as a friend. And so, so I finally write my friend to get her last name so I could add her as a friend. Be... And then I didn't end up getting the job anyway. That's my thing. So, uh, you know, I didn't respond the first time. I tried to respond the second time. I went to his MySpace page to try to add him. Can't because I don't know his last name. I'm cutting my losses. Figure it out yourself, pal. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll break here in just a few. Hello, Timmy Ryan. How are you today? Hello. How was oh. your weekend, Timmy Ryan? Good. What did I, you do? I think. Recovered. I thought you said you were hungover this morning. Yeah, I recovered, yeah. All weekend. From drinking. See, here's the thing. You drink too much, and then you wake up at like 2 in the morning, and you can't go back to bed. All right, you know, I'm going to let you just uh, kind of get your get you know your thoughts together. You know what story. I'm talking about. I don't understand. All right, moving on. Um, let's see. What else? Oh, and I have a huge, uh, I have a big bandit at my finger this morning and a knot on the back of my head because Laura and I were woken up twice between midnight and 6 a.m. by Max. Here's a little FYI for me to you. If you have an adult dog and a puppy... It is not advisable to give the adult dog the same food that the puppy's eating. So we've been giving Philo this puppy food. You have a puppy now? Yeah, we have. A, I got a new dog, and ah. um, so he's a puppy, and so he has special puppy food. We kind of ran out of Max food, and we figured, you know what? Well, for this oh, week, we'll give yeah. we'll give them both the same thing. Territorial. Well, it's not even just that. It's that the puppy food just goes through the adult dog, just just like water through a garden hose. And so we feed Max before bedtime, you know, kind of later in the evening. Twice this morning, once at 3 a.m., once at 5 a.m., woken up by Max at the door because he urgently needs to use the facilities. So my wife takes him out the first time. Second time, he's, you know, he's at the door at 5 o'clock this morning going, you know, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have the dog. carry out your neighborhood at 3 o'clock in the morning. You don't want to make the dog obviously have an accident or whatever because then he feels bad and then, you know, everybody's, everybody's upset. So I get up at 5 in the morning in my boxer shorts. So if you were driving by my home, if you know where I live and you were driving by my house at 5 o'clock this morning, yes, that was me, Rick Emerson, standing out front in yellow boxer shorts with green crocodiles on them standing in the garden in front of my house with my poodle 
Of course, because it was 5 a.m., I was, A, half asleep. And then, you know, I'm on the junk. When I go to bed at night, I have this trazodone that I take to sleep. So the thing about the trazodone is, is it sort of relaxes all your muscle control. So I'm standing out there at 5 in the morning. It's pitch black. I'm in my boxer shorts waiting for the dog to go. Uh, you know, I'm groggy. I'm tired. My muscles aren't all working. At one point, the dog hears some sort of twig snapping or so he hears something running around in the shrubs. So the dog pulls on the lead. And what do I immediately do? Do I stand upright? Do I keep the dog from running away? No, the dog actually pulls me off balance. I slip in the mud in front of my house. I crack my head on the side of the house, falling down to the ground, and I tear a huge piece of skin off the side of my head. That was this morning at 5 a.m. It's the best morning ever. You're awesome. Jesus. All right. And then I have a chance to talk about Mad Men last night, which was fantastic. One of the best episodes they've ever had. Well, maybe you should save that for uh, Tim tomorrow, because I bet he'll watch, he'll watch it, too. Maybe I will. I'm addicted to that show, man. It's a great show. Every time that show ends, I get pissed off. I think, like, the last scene, I'm just like, God damn it. Yep. No, there's only, a bitch. there's only one more. There's only one more episode of Mad Men for this season. So, uh, anyway, it's great. I'm going to make this one observation about Mad Men last night, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. Mad Men, which airs on AMC, is great for all the reasons that that Life on Mars show is not good. Um, and I had some people here who recommended Life on Mars, which is the new show with Harvey Keitel and Michael Imperioli. And I really wanted to like it. But boy, I could just feel my brain getting softer as I watched that program. I could just, I could, it's like I could just feel IQ points being, being shaven away. So, the difference between Mad Men and Life on Mars, and Life on Mars is this program. It has kind of an interesting concept. It's about a cop in 2008 who was in a car accident, and then he wakes up in 1973, uh, you know, as a cop in the same city. He wakes up as a New York City cop in 1973. Kind of an interesting premise. Really poorly executed. Just really, really badly done. And the difference between Mad Men and Life on Mars, because Mad Men, of course, takes place right now in 1962, here's the fatal flaw. A, and that Life on Mars show, you are not David Fincher. Quit filming everything through algae. Secondly, the real breaking point between these two programs, no one wants to live in the 70s. All kinds of people want to live in 1962. You know, the atomic age? No one looks back at 1973 and says, boy, I wish I was living in 1973. Those were the golden era. You know, that was the golden time. Some DJs. No. Some of yeah. well, old boss jocks. All right, we'll take a break. Back with Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Coming up uh, later on, Amanda Moyer, Timmy Ryan with the Ministry of Truth, Craig Gass, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. You know what I didn't even get to the last segment is this Richie auditioning for this drag queen comedy cabaret troupe thing this weekend. Jesus. Surrounded by mutants. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Hey, here's a little... Uh, is this Lisa? Okay, we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins in one second. Here's a little note I made to myself this weekend. We all know Todd Palin is kind of a douche. Why do we all know that? What is it about that guy? Well, because you can tell that he lets himself get smacked around by Sarah Palin. Is it the facial hair, though? Is it his hair? looks like hair? a pansy. But see, that, but it's not even so much a pansy as so much as it is a douche. He looks like a douche, and I can't quite figure out. And I did a little spot check. I asked, like, six people. I'm like, Todd Palin, douche? And they're like, oh, yeah. But we couldn't really quantify why that was. The douchebag tell for that guy, eh, wasn't, it wasn't really evident. We couldn't quite put our fingers on it. So I think it's just that he just looks weak. I don't know. I'll try and pinpoint. I have no idea. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Hill, let's welcome CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. 
Hey, guys. How are you today? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. A little bit of a morning, but that's okay. Don't oh, you, boy. Don't you pay that? No, never mind. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> um, okay, well, how's life in the land of our elected leaders? Oh, you know what? This, I'm, I'm back to really enjoying this campaign again. You know, it was getting a little bit much. I got, I finally got like a, a sat, I took Saturday away from, uh, I didn't do any election stuff and, uh, I'm back loving it. And there's, there just is crazy kookiness constantly still. It's great. Are you saying there is in fact crazy kookiness constantly? That's what I'm Are those all with, is that like all of them with like a K and like a wah, wah in the background? Yes. All right. Something like that, and I'm a little embarrassed by it. Um, so it is It is sort of indicative of how quickly things change and how fast stuff unfolds. That sound bites that seem really interesting one day, I mean, it's, it's not even a here today, gone tomorrow. It's like here today, gone later today. On Friday, there was this insane moment where McCain was at some campaign rally, and that woman who sounds a lot like my mother-in-law, and frankly, let's be honest, uh... Uh, honey, if you're listening, I, I don't know if it wasn't your mother, because they never showed her from the front, only from the back. It may have actually been my mother-in-law, <laughs> who stood up and told John McCain, I'm paraphrasing here, but she said something very close to, I don't trust Obama because he is an Arab. Yeah. And then McCain said, to his credit, said, well, no, that's not true. And then the woman said, no, 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 he's an Arab. And McCain said, no, he's... But then McCain's answer was equally awkward, because right. the the woman says... Tell me if this sounds weird to you. The woman says, Obama's an Arab, and then McCain's answer is, no, 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 he's not an Arab, he's a decent man. Decent family man. So that's an interesting way to defend Barack Obama. It's on on the fly, it's it's hard to get those ones right, you know, but I mean, and then, so then McCain's position, and not that there's anything wrong with being Arab, Mm -hmm. You know, but but it definitely all kinds of direction. They didn't bring up the fact that, um, and, you know, and now we've moved down the down the code here. You know, a lot of people think that uh, people who uh, may have issues consciously or subconsciously with the fact that Barack Obama is black talk about this rumor that he's Muslim. You know, and but now now we've moved past kind of the Muslim thing to the Arab thing. So is this because now it's kind of now it's clear. No, you shouldn't be looking down on someone because of their religion. But now so now it's the Arab thing. And I think a lot of people know subconsciously that, you know, most of the hijackers on an 11 came out of Saudi Arabia, whatever it is. But it's sort of we're moving down the totem pole of uh, coding here for why people just don't like Barack Obama um, and trust him. Uh, it does. I mean, I, I hate to be making mountains out of molehills, but that's kind of what we do. It really is my only skill. So <laughs> <Right. clears throat> am I. How do I put this? Is is the endless echo chamber that is the media making too much, in your journalistic opinion, of these isolated yahoos at the McCain and especially Sarah Palin rallies who are shouting out things like traitor and kill him and off with his head? I mean, I mean, on the one hand, you don't want to minimize that, but on the other hand, I mean, is is that is it true or false in your opinion that there is a big sort of that there is a big increase in that kind of behavior recently i think there certainly was you know it's hard for me to say because honestly i'm not physically at these rallies and i feel like it makes a big difference actually being there it feels like it's gotten a little overblown it feels like it was it was a story uh when dana milbank from the washington post first put it out there i talked about someone in a paling crowd using the n-word at a you know a sound guy for i guess one of the tv uh networks Who was who was sitting there for your TV yeah. network? Well, there you go. Um, and and I think that um, 
oh, you know, that's interesting. I didn't put this together that I think I know exactly who that was, and I should email him and see what he thinks. It's a friend of mine. Um, anyway, the, I think that it's gotten blown out a little bit, but I, I think what's happened is um, when Sarah Palin obviously went on the attack and started with the palling around with terrorists bit, I think she really touched into some nerves there uh, of people who – I think had whatever reason were angry about uh, the success or the fact that John McCain's not winning, right. the fact that Barack Obama is winning right now, that nervous for different reasons about that, unhappy for different reasons about that. I think she touched into that anger, and I think and she kind of said it's okay to say these to say things like he pals around with terrorists, which people had sort of talked about maybe in their living room, hush hush, um, and and she came out said it, and then I think it unleashed um, sort of a, a, I think a number. A number of people, I don't think it was a huge amount of people, but a number of people at these rallies wanting to vent. Does it give them uh, passive... Bad reasons. Most of them probably bad reasons. It gives them passive permission in some way to uh, to give vent to all of this hideousness that is sort of uh, lurking inside them, like some sort of horrible rotting pinata? Wow. I hadn't thought of it that way. But maybe... <laughs> I, think, okay, yeah, I think I think it's like taking the saran wrap off. I think it's sort of, you know, and then who knows what's going to come out. Here's a, here's a question. Is it me or can the McCain campaign not control Sarah Palin? You know, I don't know on this one. I'd be, I'm very interested to know, like in the next year after this election is over, you know, is it that they can't control her or is this exactly what they want from her? I don't know. I think they had to know that this is the kind of candidate that she was. This is the way she's al she's always been very confrontational, a very direct. Uh, she's she's definitely a fighter. She's feisty. You know, this is, these are all the reasons that uh, McCain says he liked her. And and I think you could. And we talked about this before in last week's debate. I I really feel that, that Sarah Palin. I feel like she knows herself so well that she's had. Uh, such little exposure to other politicians and the few that she has had exposure to in her own state, she stood up to and she's beaten. So I think that she's really comfortable in her own skin, except in a network uh, interview with Katie Couric or like <laughs> under I the think, relentless grilling that is a Katie Couric interview. <laughs> exactly. Right. But I think I think in general, behind the scenes, this is a really confident woman. And I wouldn't I, I almost feel like she is influencing McCain more than he's influencing her. You, I feel uh, kind of her thumbprint in his style, especially in the debates uh, and the way the campaign has been going. And I think McCain, Friday was an important day, the day that McCain sort of pushed back and said, no, no, uh, I want to respect Barack Obama. You know, that was a little more kind of the McCain we know from 2000, the kinder, gentler McCain. And, and he's kind of balancing these two lines. But I think Sarah Palin, you know, get in there, take the gloves off. I think she's a huge influence behind the scenes on McCain personally. I don't know about campaign tactics, but on him personally. Well, and it does seem like, uh, again, going back to the echo chamber thing, that she does get this positive reinforcement uh, when because the only real traction they seem to get, the only real coverage they seem to get right now is when she does or says something that is outrageous or provocative or controversial or whatever. And so she has, and, and it clearly, from my vantage point, it doesn't seem like anybody's got a sufficient leash on her to make her knock it off. So she has every motivation to keep doing these things and no motivation to really tone down her act. She, I hate to make this comparison, but, but she is sort of... She is sort of Madonna circa 1987. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly. Where she never really, there's really no downside to her because every time she, some one of these things happen, happens, it is just, it is more exposure for the Sarah Palin brand, which is obviously what she needs because McCain is probably hosed at this point, but she needs to sort of solidify her own brand with the American people. You know, I think this 
this could all be – if the election continues in this direction and the, McCain is trying to turn it around, and he could definitely still turn this around, and all the polls could be wrong. We're all basing everything on polls, and polls could be very wrong. So we don't really know what's going to happen. But if polls are right and if Barack Obama does win this election, I think uh, what's happening right now could be incredibly important in four years. Sarah Palin is still going to be around. She's still going to be someone that people, um, especially core Republicans, admire – significantly. And I think all of this is going to be very important down the road. But I think right now, polling, and again, who knows if polling is right, but polling shows us that overall, she is a drag on the McCain ticket. And she's become, she became a drag probably two or three weeks ago once those interviews started going out to public. They just don't think she's ready to be president. And, they, and people think that John McCain, there's a good chance he may not make it through through certainly two terms and, and maybe not one. I mean, you know, and that's just based on that's not sure. about ages. That is an actuarial assessment. Nothing, right? He's a, he's incredibly healthy for his age. Yeah, he's had except for the cancer. Except for the cancer scare. The four times. Well, yeah, exactly. But you know, you know, I'm I'm about as white as they come. So to me, I'm very comfortable with the uh, skin cancer scares. <laughs> okay, uh, real quickly before we go. Um, oh, and I have to play a quick cut for you too. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, 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 shoot! I'm on the wrong. Choke, choke. Okay. This is a country music artist playing before uh, before the McCain rally. Uh, this was his rallying cry uh, to the crowd. America can survive. Oh. America can survive. So, so that's all really a nice thought for them. <laughs> hey guys, we can survive. Not actually. That's sort of like when there was some airline years ago, and their slogan was "We get you there." <laughs> Not like you'll enjoy it or it'll be, you know, in, you know, pleasant. It will get you there. Was that actually Hank Williams Jr.? You know, I need to. I'm not sure. Doesn't need the sound. I need to check. Sounds a lot like Hank. That just was, makes me. And it was immediately before uh, he he was the one who introduced. You know, uh, the McCain Palin has them all come out. Hank Williams Jr. supporting John McCain. That makes the baby Jesus cry. <laughs> and and also Rick Emerson. I'll have to check. I can. I can. I'll call uh, Rick and let him know. Uh, real quickly here, this uh, email says. Oh, I'm sorry, Sarah. Do we have to? Am I going to have to skedaddle? Yeah, but it's it's. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, tomorrow I will have a follow up question with you. Okay. Uh, I think. Oh, I'm sorry, emailer. I messed it up. Okay. That's okay. We got to. Uh, it's just my fault. I'm running late. We got a man the lawyer coming up here, and I don't want to okay, uh, cool. irritate the powers that be. Okay. Cool. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Thank you. There you go, it's Lisa. Wow. All right. Let's all take a breath, shall we? Was that Hank Williams Jr.? It sounded a lot like Hank Williams that, Jr. That was Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, it makes me sad. Well, that was very, very terrible. It's 503. got to separate the stuff from the stuff, I suppose. It's 503. Uh, Hank, got to eat. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, Amanda Moyer. Hello. How are you, Amanda? Hi, I'm well. How are you today? I am, uh, I would say, grading myself um, on the classic 1 to 10 scale. Today I'm a 7.8. Oh, okay. How about you? I mean, really, all things being equal, the classic scale of 1 to 10. (laughs) Well, I'd have to say I'm probably around a 6.5 today. 6.5. You know what? The goal of this call is going to be to bump it to a 6.62. Okay. All right. Um, Here's a question about, and I can't believe we're discussing this again, but here I am. So I have this question about um, about gas prices, and the only reason I ask this is because I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that it really does seem like some guy somewhere is rolling a magic eight ball every six months, every 90 days, every whatever, to figure out exactly how much we're going to be paying. I remember there was a time not too long ago when they everybody was sort of speculating by the end of this summer we were going to be paying six bucks a gallon. 
which didn't uh, happen. But now we've got this big drop happening. So if the economy is sort of just going into the uh, going into a sinkhole, and if everything is sort of upside down in the market, how is it that oil and gas can somehow now be cheaper? Well, that's what a lot of people are wondering. As you said, I mean, we were looking at $4 a gallon for gas, and now we're around in $3 a gallon in some places. And it's because the crude oil prices, there was a steep drop. There was um, They fell $29 over the past two weeks. At one point last week, it even dipped below $78 a barrel. And they're saying with the volatility in the stock markets that the crude oil prices are just falling now. And uh, also global demand is much lower, which is driving those prices down. They say the demand is so much further down because people have been cutting back because the economy is slumping. So they're saying they're, they're not traveling as much. They're not going to restaurants. They're not going out and using gas. And that is bringing down the prices. So that's okay. So the economy impacts the amount of gas people feel that they can use, which in turn decreases the demand, which increase, which in turn lowers the price somewhat. Exactly. And if, if there would be a problem with refineries, um, if we saw a couple of weeks ago in the southeast there were some shortages after the hurricanes, that would drive prices up. Or if there was violence or unrest in certain places like Nigeria, that tends to drive the prices up. But since we don't have that right now, prices are going down because people are using less. Let me ask you a dumb question. When they talk about the, the petroleum reserves or whatever, I don't mean to sound daft, but when they talk about the U.S. petroleum reserves, is that really literally just like a big warehouse somewhere with like a bunch of oil in it? Well, sort of. In, in the, the easy way of putting it, yes. And it's, an, it's, it's a stockpile that we have for emergencies, but we don't use it very often because uh, it never seems like the emergency is, is big enough to, to take from it. All right. It does. By the way, I'm making this prediction right now. In one of those, uh, like upcoming adventure films that he makes every now and again, Nicolas Cage will have a sequence that takes place inside the National Petroleum Reserves, and there will at some point be a giant explosion. Just mark my words. There you go. You're going to see that. All right. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> my pleasure. Right, there you go. That's Amanda Moyer. I had to sell that idea to Michael Bay right now. You know what I mean? Where there's some, there's like a bomb planted at the National Petroleum Reserves. Not, this isn't true. I'm just saying in a movie. Where there would be a bomb planted at the National Petroleum Reserves and then Nicolas Cage, you know, while sitting there, you know, with like no actual expressions of any kind on his face and no vocal inflections to speak of. says so like, I got to get there and take care of that. I can't let this happen to my country. And then there's like a moped chase through the National Petroleum Reserves while he's trying to get the bomb. I love Nicolas Cage. I like Nicolas Cage, too. I just wish he'd act more. And when I, I don't mean make more movies. I mean act when he's in movies. Nicolas Cage is like a one to seven good to bad film ratio. Yeah. What is the last great film he made? Go. <laughs> Base. Totally. I mean, he just, he has this... You, and the, I like The Rock. And I watched City of Angels the other day, and it wasn't that bad. You know you're talking about movies that are 15 years old. Leaving Las Vegas. That's a great film, but again, one from this That's how century. I hope to go out. What's the one where there was the secret uh, hidden treasure map on the back? National of the Treasure. Are you kidding me? No, that's the most t awful movie I've yeah. ever seen. I'm saying... We've, I played a drinking game to it every time they said Declaration of Independence. It's so funny. It's like, how, are they, how is he going to get out the Declaration of Independence? I don't understand. The secret treasure map on the Declaration of Independence. I'm just like, yeah, this is the that's most a terrible thing. idea for a movie. No, don't get me wrong. See, and the thing about, uh, about Nicolas Cage is, he, here's the frustrating thing about him, is that, A, he has such great promise, but he just makes so many bad films. I mean, everything can't be raising Arizona. I understand that. But it'd be easier for me, like... I almost wish he would just quit trying because then I could just forget about him. Valley Girl. Um, He's a stoner in high school that has all kinds of potential. He just never gets off his ass. But here's the thing is, like, he makes just enough good movies that I have to take the time to defend him to people. 
If he just sucked, then I wouldn't have to. It wouldn't cost me any energy. But he makes just enough good films that when people go, Nicolas Cage sucks, I have to go. No, he he made Leaving Las Vegas twenty years ago. You know, or or um, uh, what was the other one we just mentioned? Um, well, he made he made the the Rock. He made Lord (laughs) of he made Lord of War, which is a fantastic film. Lord of War came out about three, four years ago. Nobody saw it. You ought to see it. It's great. Um, but he makes one good movie about every seven years, and it's just enough so you can't completely just dismiss him. What was this, that last movie that you just made that we were making fun of the title? It's like Bangkok Serious, or... Do you remember we were talking no. about it? No. It has the most ridiculous... But I know he's in the trailer for Rob Zombie's Werewolf Women of the SS. That's the, uh, that's all I know. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Hello. Were you just scratching Bangkok yourself dangerous. again? I was. Bangkok Dangerous. Yes. Why I you think always... it's the new laundry detergent that I've been using. I've been scratching myself all over my body today. Today? Yeah. Every time you come in here, you scratch yourself all over. Your hair's looking decidedly more emo today. What do you mean emo? I mean, it's like all brush forward. Did you? Seriously, you got like a full-on... No, no, no. And it's like all brushed on the side. That's like the emo haircut. what happened? Yeah. I, I won't... I'll explain what happened. Did you see hair. him the last couple of weeks when he had like the... I haven't seen the, in like... Yeah, in like He had this great like Night at the Roxbury Club hair going on uh, for the last couple of weeks. And you know it's true. Don't you deny There's it. There's a reason why what happened. Okay, I had my kind of Beatles Did you lose cut. a bet? No. No, what happened is... Um, it's like a month and a half ago now. I went to a barber shop up on Hawthorne, which I will not say, and I'm like, just, just trim it. Uh, give me a little bit of a razor cut and trim it. Well, this, this chick was kind of a bitch, and she was in like this bad mood, and like before I know it, all of my hair is gone. I, I just said trim, and she heard whack. That happens to me all the time. So instead of having kind of like, you know, my, 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 Paul McCartney circa 1968 mop top. But you ended up with more hair. I ended up with, uh, what's his name, uh, looking like um, uh, 50 Cent or something. You don't know. You don't look like 50 Cent. Not now I don't, but about a month and a half ago I did. I had no hair left. Please to explain how it is that your hair resembled that of 50 Cent. Well, I mean that, you know, 50 Cent really doesn't have too much hair. He had like that little thing going on on top at one point. Uh, okay, this is a lie. Do-rag? No, this is a lie. Here's what his hair looked like. He had a full-on flock of seagulls haircut. It was like the swoop. it was a big. It was like someone was about to hang ten on top of his head. He had the huge, not even like not even like the not even like the the ducktail. It was like it was like six inches high. I mean, it was dude. It was that day that you popped into my office during the pig fest. And he and I were talking. Did you remember what his hair looked like that day? Did you see it? No, no, because I thought I was awkwardly interrupting something bad. So I was just, I you were, and ran out. You were. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> I but didn't that even was... look at him. I'm like, oh, God, sorry. No, he totally looked like a member of Kajagugu. Like, it was it was a big 80s new wave hair thing. Can I explain myself? Like okay, first off, when I get my hair cut, I, I, I don't usually get it cut too short because I, I like growing it out. But it got cut really short, but my hair grows back really fast because it's all thick. And so I and woke lustrous. up. Yeah, it's thick and lustrous. And I woke up, and it didn't know didn't know quite what it was doing, and so I just said, the hell with it, and I just spiked it up for one day, and that was it. So why are you, uh, so now why are you, why are you doing this, like, dashboard confessional thing today? Because I'm letting it grow back out. I don't like doing the dashboard confessional thing, but I don't have a choice at this point. Okay. So it's like, I'm trying to, like, comb it down you again do so it grows out. No, I don't. I really don't. Because everybody has was, a choice. My hair, ha- you know, was kind of used to... Being in one direction, the whole Beatles mop top thing, and then it got cut short, and so it doesn't know what to do. See, okay. Those who have thick, illustrious hair. Illustrious. Illustrious. Whatever. You know, we have choices with our hair, Rick. 
Who are you talking about? You. With your illustrious yeah, hair. Yeah, you have, like, like hair plugs or, like, wear a wig or something? <laughs> I did not wear a wig. No, he does have significantly more hair than he used to. <laughs> I was going to say, and it sounds... And I'm not look, even making funny. I'm from the look saying. of things, it seems like I have more hair than you do at the moment. What would your 50 cent do and all? So, all right. Well, let's take a break. Oh, Adaptation. Good one. That's a fantastic film that Nicolas Cage made. I don't think I ever saw that. Adaptation is genius. It's a brilliant film. And it's got that Peter Gibbons guy from Office Space. All right, it's 503 733 Maybe we should just do a devil lock all week, huh? Devil lock? Yeah. He almost has it going on, except that you must diaper. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Stay there. Back after this with a new news hour. I'm getting a lot of emails like this. Rick, I also have an abnormally long torso, followed by a lot of clothing suggestions. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I mean that sincerely. All right. Uh, Rick, what I think makes Todd Palin an annoying douche is that like the millions of guys with the... He says, like millions of guys with just-for-men goatees and just-enough hair gel, he is the logical evolution of the high-fiving white guys uh, from... Oh, and then he's, re- he's referencing Almost Live, which is a Seattle show from the 80s. But when he talks about the high-fiving white guy that we always see at a party, Todd Palin is that guy all grown up. You know, and he kind of, I hate to say this, but he has this Scotty J vibe about him, too. And I can't really put my finger on why. There's some sort of a physical resemblance. Uh, sort of the passing similarity outwardly. Those guys all have the same, I mean, you know, there are only like a few different types of people in the world. And Scotty J and... Todd Palin are the same kind of type. It is true. I mean, there's only, tw- and you're right, we've said that for a long time, there's only 12 types of people, and the, the Scotty J. Todd Palin model is one of those 12 types. It's like the, uh, like one of the, you know, one of the undiscovered silence. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth and for the vacationing Tim Riley, it is Timmy Ryan. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I really think Tim Riley should have his own reality show when he goes on vacation so we see just what he does. Like some sort of a hat cam? Right, he's just kind of like, you know, sailing around in a yacht somewhere in the Caribbean, <laughs> smoking a cigar, with playing like his, a cat. With his Captain and Tennille hat on, <laughs> like a braided sailor's cap. Exactly. Yes. Ahoy! Okay. Well, things suck down in Southern California. Tents, Santa Ana winds swept into SoCal this morning and whipped up a 3,700-acre wildfire, burning up mobile homes and industrial buildings and forcing the evacuation of eight patients from a nearby hospital. The blaze, 20 miles north of downtown L.A., began Sunday and was calm overnight, but flared up early this morning when winds gusted up to 50 miles an hour and then moved in, creating hell everywhere. Ambulances were transporting eight patients on ventilators, including six newborns from Olive View UCLA Medical Center in the San Fernando Valley to other hospitals as a precaution, that according to a spokeswoman in Southern California. Why would you want to live in Southern California at this point? Are you asking me specifically or just kind of in general? In general? I mean, there's just no reason to really live in Southern California. I don't know anybody that's like, you know, flocking to move down there. I'm well, like, nobody flocks to move to Southern California because it's too expensive. Uh, you know, I, that's where I lived before I moved here. Yeah. Uh, and it's an amazing place. It's a beautiful place. But uh, there's just, but uh, Laura and I go back every now and again um, to our old neighborhood, you know, because we'll go down to San Diego, you know, usually once a year or something. And we will, 
And, you know, it's like when you go back to a town where you used to live, you know, you always drive by your old place to see, like, you know, who, which is, I think, a human nature thing. You want to see, like, who's living in your old apartment. Um, so we'll go by there. But, Jesus, like, the places we were living that then were somewhat affordable are now completely unaffordable. I mean, it's, it's more than, it is more than two and a half times what it cost us to live there. And, I mean, that's a decade ago, but still, it's only a decade. So that's the reason why nobody wants to move to Southern California right now is because you have to start selling your uh, your bone marrow every day just to pay the rent. Right, and the locals, like if you go to visit down there, and this is coming from somebody who was born down there, I was born in Long Beach. You go down there on a little vacay, they don't want you there. It seems like the locals, you know, see you as a tourist and they hate you. And then everywhere Draw you go, your own conclusions. everywhere you go, <laughs> you can't park. And, like, everything's kind of, like, complicated because of the, uh, the the street sweepers down there. They have days where they're street sweeping, and if uh, your car's there, you get, like, a $200 ticket. Oh, yeah, I remember that in San Francisco. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like California just sucks. People don't appreciate the fact that Portland really does have a great, I mean, we talk about the public transportation here. And even though I have any number of complaints with the way they administer parking in this city, uh, we really do have it on the ball, like, all over California. So, and plus, California's a real nanny state. They were the first people to impose that smoking ban. Yeah. Uh, which just offends me on every level. But they were, uh, when we were living there, right as that rolled into effect. Hey, who's seen the uh, the video for the new Britney single? I have. Man, I've seen part of that it. That is fantastic. That is amazing. This that is her a, comeback. That is a great video. It's a great video. It's a great song. I'm telling you right now, that's not her in the sauna. There's a lot of quick cuts, and somebody's pasting somebody's head onto somebody's body. I don't know, because look at all those pictures that we've seen of her in, in bikinis. I mean, like, her body does fluctuate, but I think that that could definitely be her. I don't think your body fluctuates that much. I think that's a little bit of photoshopping. I think so. I think so. I'm uh, not rooting for Britney Spears. I, I just think, want to point that out. I just want to say, I think somebody's wagging the dog I on those photos of her. I with you, too. I mean, that's, which is fine. Look, don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, people get their photos airbrushed, and people, you know... you. Nobody ever gets themselves photographed if they can help it. Just looking the way they do when they roll out of bed. I mean, everything from shaving, doing your hair, getting airbrushed, getting a body double. This is all stuff that people do. And there's even at this point in her somewhat devolved career, there's so much money riding on that girl that I would imagine they they do everything they can to keep her looking good. So I'm telling you right now, if you watch that video, at no point. Do they have a, a shot of her? If you haven't seen the video for Britney's new single, it's for Womanizer. And there's basically two different things happening in the video. There's her in this office, sort of Mad Men style, kind of doing this retro sort of 60s look, which is really, really good, I should I should say. Not just her, but the production design of the whole thing. And then also there are these long shots taken in a sauna, where it is somebody, presumably Britney, laying there fully nude, but when I say long shots, I mean from across the room. The shots themselves are cut really fast. There's no shot of her in the sauna that lasts for more than like half a second. They never give you time to really that look. The first time, though, when it's like the, when it's far away and she's doing like that writhing thing. Right. But I mean, it's from far away. It I mean, there's. Far away. Uh, and they, I mean, they absolutely have the technology to. And it's not a conspiracy. I'm just saying, I think the technology exists to put her head on somebody else's body. So I don't think it's her. That being said. Uh, I mean, it's a great video, really, and it's a great song. And doing the Mad Men vibe on that is exactly the right way to go. Uh, whoever put the, that video together for her, they have their finger on the pulse. So I agree with you. I think that's going to be her big comeback single. Has kind of a uh, has kind of a Madonna Abba. Vibe I woke up, it. yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night today um, to like get a glass of water, and I I had it stuck in my head. Yeah. Again, like. Once again, though, it's not Britney Spears who's creating this. It's a bunch of brilliant people that are using her to create this. Well, th- th- there's no argument there. But I'm talking about in terms of the song and the composition. And I will also say this. When I was out on my hell shopping uh, expedition on Saturday, 
that was the song I had going through my head all day because it has kind of that blondie sort of call me uh, vibe to it. So anyway, so I'm I'm bullish on the new. Tell you what, when Britney Spears does, you know, an, uh, an acoustic an thing acoustic with just her. Yes, I know. Tell you what, then I'll be like, all right, I know. Maybe, but you know, everything that I've heard of her, nobody's like, you know, arguing that she's. Talented. I yeah, we're, you're you're arguing a point that no one's that no one's disputing. I mean, she's more or less a Millie Vanilli at this point, you know. I mean, we, what we hear her. Uh, you know, the, the single that we hear of her is not really her single, no her one, singing voice. No one is disagreeing. All right. This is all stuff you've said before. Really? Here's Timmy Ryan. Now, Okay, tough economy may force Texas Equal Search to end the search for Kaylee, the nonprofit helping group that was searching for the missing toddler might have to bail out because the economy sucks. The group has already spent $44,000 on the search for the girl who disappeared sometime in June from the Orlando area and recouped only $12,000 for their costs from the public and private donations. The girl's mother, Casey Anthony, is a suspect in her daughter's disappearance. Little, the little girl was just seven in mid-June, two months before her third birthday. Police believe Kaylee is dead, and they can't say that. Timmy. Does someone need to go to timeout already? No. You're a newsman. You can't Seriously. say oh. that crap. It's not the Jesus. Timmy Ryan show. It's you delivering the news. For the love of God. Let's all take a deep Sorry. breath. Jesus. All right. Uh, this email says, Rick, Todd Palin is a douche. Have no doubt about it. I don't know what it is about the guy, but he hits me as a snow machine racing hillbilly. I know he has or had an actual job, but now he's just Mr. Mom to that pack of kids following crazy-ass Sarah Palin around the country. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being Mr. Mom. I know my husband would kill for that gig in our family. I picture her being just as crazy and shrill with him and their relationship as she seems at the rallies, and it kind of emasculates Todd Palin in my mind. See, and I have... See, I have a different take, and I have a different take than Sarah does on this. In that, in that, I think you think Todd Palin is a douche because you think Sarah Palin is bossing him around. No, he kind of has the look, though. He looks stupid. Well, he well he does. There's no getting around that. But he looks unbelievably dense. My read on Todd Palin, though, is this: is that Sarah Palin is this really aggressive, strident, very controlling woman, probably to everybody but him. And so I think that's where that's the weird dynamic in that couple that I see is that Sarah Palin seems like a real, uh, you know, she, she seems like a just like a like she just puts him in a jar with almost everybody. Uh, she just seems like a real cutter. But I think that probably the exception to that is Todd Palin, and I think Todd Palin probably has some weird like uh, you know like mojo over her. So I think that's the other thing that people sense about that guy. He's like there's this there's. It's sort of like if you've seen the movie Star 80, which is about Dorothy Stratton, who was a Playboy playmate who uh, you know, was murdered by her jealous boyfriend. And so the deal with Dorothy Stratton was is that she was this beautiful Playboy playmate, a very aggressive woman, very you know, independent, thought for herself, except she had this creepy boyfriend played by James Woods who was like this Bengali over her and who just uh, had absolute control over her life. And that is totally the vibe I get from Todd Palin over Sarah Palin. Wait, what movie was that? Star 80. Oh, my God, because because he also plays the creepy boyfriend in Casino. Right. No, the it's the same, same thing. Over him. Same. Maybe I'm conflating the two. Maybe it's not James Woods in Star 80. It might be somebody else. Well, anyway, but it's that same vibe where Sharon Stone is the really, like, tough as nails, independent woman in Casino, but then James Woods totally has her wrapped around his finger. Mm -hmm. That is the vibe I see where Sarah Palin is Sharon Stone in Casino, but Todd Palin is James Woods in Casino. So, there you go. All right, here's Timmy Ryan. I wanted to fed Tom Palin. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's just a regular Alaskan dude that just kind of got thrown into this horrible mix. Does he speak for you, Joe Sixpack? Are you Joe Sixpack, Timmy Ryan? 
What, what's your definition of Joe Sixpack? I don't know. I'm, what is your definition? Just a regular guy who drowns a six-pack a night? So... That, that's true. I don't think you can just... I don't think you can just define it by using one of the words from, from the term. When, it, when she says, because this is a conversation we have had before, uh, we had it with Scotty J, who couldn't really define it. So, in your opinion, Timmy Ryan, what is Joe Sixpack? I don't know, just probably like the regular working guy who uh, likes to go out and have a few beers once in a while. Kind of a simpleton in a lot of ways. Just like watch, you know, likes to watch sports, work on his car. Not, not a lot to him. The kind of guy that you would, you would want like living next door to you. So a regular working guy. Yeah, just a regular working guy that knows a little about everything. Mechanics, electronics. He can fix a snow machine, probably fix your diesel. Let me... You know? Fix your diesel sounds yeah. strangely perverse. What does that even mean? I don't know. You have a um, diesel truck, you know? Let me ask you this, yeah. and you have to answer this honestly. Okay. Are you on some level jealous of Todd Palin because he married a hot, successful woman? Do you wish to be Todd Palin? Is I don't Todd know. Palin a role I mean, model for you? In the... woman? Seriously, as as a dirtbag radio guy, no offense, uh, who's hooked up with some stable woman who has, uh, you know, I would say, thriving financially sound career. Do you see Todd Palin as a stand-in for you in that regard, Timmy Ryan? Don't lie. Maybe. Right. You know, just kind of a regular guy that uh, had the right lottery ticket, basically. All right. Well, no, fair enough. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Okay. I, but I do think the casino thing is totally apt. I, I do see him as the James Woods to her Sharon Stone in Casino. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's I up? Think, I think this is what it is. It's not really anything about him as a person other than that he's a professional snowmobiler or snow machiner because people dislike winter sports you distrust people who are really good at winter sports because they've got nothing better to do i mean who who goes up and skis constantly wealthy people kids of wealthy people douchebags okay fair enough then, so so wait you also have the opposite you've got the uh People who ride around on ATVs a lot. Wait, let me understand this. So your so your assessment is, is that we think Todd Palin is a douchebag because, by definition, any guy who has enough money and leisure time to become an expert snowmobile racer clearly doesn't have a whole lot of other responsibilities. Right. Also, people distrust people who use a lot of, you know, like all-terrain vehicles and things like that because, you know, it's like, well, they should be making something of themselves instead of just riding around on that little contraption there. All right. You know, so you've got you've got both of them culminating in this guy. Plus, you know, you've got the ski school dynamic where, you know, you can just picture him taking a day off from the slopes, trying to save the community rec center by going off somewhere and doing the chicken dance. You know, before he races against uh, want to be around before he races against Stalin on the K-12. Exactly. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, well spotted, sir. Thank you. Yep. That's a great call. See, that's the kind of call that sets our audience apart. You make a gnarly run like that, and girls will get sterile just looking at you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, Bruce Weiss was the uh, uh, played, played Paul Snyder on Star 80. The other what? guy who played Belker on Hill Street Blues. Well, see, now somebody else is saying, no, it was Eric Roberts who played that guy in no, Star 80. No, it was Bruce Weiss. I have a copy. Anyway. Bruce Weiss, uh, you mean the guy who played uh, Mad Dog or whatever his name was on Hill Street Belker. Blues? The- yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was yeah. the guy who played. Interesting having a gay actor play the role of a of an obsessive. Uh, now, I know. Now I hate anyway. to do I hate to do this to you, sir. Here's a second email. Eric Roberts was the guy who played the boyfriend in Star 80. Well, anyway, okay. Hey, uh, I wanted to tell Sarah. Sarah, your birthday is shared with uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, the director who made Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh, and the Orphanage. 
Yeah. Awesome. And Hellboy and Hellboy 2. Uh, all right. Okay. Best show ever. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have you seen The Orphanage yet, Rick? No, I have not. Oh, that's a... I haven't even seen Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, yeah, I think I think Todd Palin's a uh, douche. Uh, he's probably the guy that wrestled his way through high school. Couldn't, you know, couldn't uh, do any good in classes, but he, he lettered. So they kept him around for graduation. I could see that. But now you were talking about his effect. Is Timmy there? Yes, he is. Hello, Timmy Ryan. Well, I, want, I was wondering if Timmy Ryan would uh, agree that with, like, Elaine on Seinfeld that he's somewhat of a Spenjali. Timmy? I don't, I don't understand because I never really watched Seinfeld. <laughs> right. But would you say he's a Spenjali? What's your definition of Spenjali? Well, I just wanted spell... to hear you say it. Huh? I just wanted to hear you say it. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. There you go. That was awkward. Okay. I kind of, I kind of feel bad for you sometimes. Why? Because, I, because you're sort of one of those. Sometimes for the audience, you're one of those like point and say things, you know, where they just. The, Timmy Ryan says, "Spend jolly," like for no reason. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Rick? Uh, well, you know, I'm here. <laughs> well, you, know. you know, I keep hearing people. Only another two and a half hours. What? I keep hearing people in my office keep talking about the Bradley effect. They're all like a yes. bunch of Obama supporters, yeah. but they're all worried that's going to happen. Yes. And I think it's completely counteracted by what I call the Barbie effect. Sarah Palin's got like at least most of the girls in the office think he's some good-looking snowmobiler guy, and she's rich and she's powerful, and the last thing that they're going to do is make her vice president. Wait, I'm confused. So the girls you work with won't vote? for Sarah Palin because she's hot. And they don't want to make her vice president. It's a jealousy thing. It's the Barbie thing. They hate that girl because she's got everything. Because, because she's got Todd Palin. <laughs> she's got Todd Palin. She is my sworn enemy. All right. and, I'm, and I'm hearing you call him a douchebag, and I'm kind of with you, and I'm listening to all these girls at the office say the other thing and go, oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, no, it's true. I, I, look, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I don't know anything about him. I don't want to, as Timmy Ryan would say, I don't sound like I'm busting on quote, the working man, end quote, although the idea that Todd Palin, who I do believe snowmobiles for a living, is somehow a stand-in for like a guy that has a real job is a little odd, but um, but, but he was on TV the other night, he was, he was doing something, he was like working the rope line, it was one of those things where like people wanted to touch the hem of his garment, so he's there and flash bulbs are going off and he's, you know, shaking everybody's hand, and I looked at Lauren, I just like, you know, do you just get the biggest douchebag vibe off that guy, and she said, oh yeah, totally. And I said, why? And she, she said exactly as she said, I don't know, but it's true. He's an absolute douche. And then we sort of looked at each other, and we kind of went, yep, and we nodded, and, like, that was the end of the conversation. We moved on. Oh, wow. Oh, man. You know, and it's, and it's so scary because all the way around, it's one of those things where it's like, never have I ever seen the real issues in the hand be less irrelevant in yeah. an election. No, oh, it's wow. true. All right, excellent. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Rick. Yeah. All right, there you go. And that would be an interesting discussion, actually, whether um, whether women on some level dislike Sarah Palin because she's, eh, you know, because she's sort of... Like like they're jealous of the way she looks? Uh, I would think even... that would be more toward, like, women maybe closer to her age. Maybe. I don't know, because you always hear that thing about how chicks hate other chicks or whatever. And I, I do. I think that's, well, I think it's true to some degree, and I think in some ways. I mean, I think women are competitive with each other to some degree. But I didn't so, hate Hillary Clinton. You didn't? No. Yeah, but I, but see, but did I think it's just because Sarah Palin just embarrasses me as a woman. That's... And it's not because I think, you know, she's pretty, and, you know, she does her thing, that's fine, that do what you want to do. I just don't want her as my vice president. Hillary Clinton didn't embarrass you at all? I mean, she didn't leave the philandering bill. No, because she didn't use her sexuality or feminism. She didn't have sexuality. 
Jesus. Well, be that as it may, Hillary Clinton's nobody's idea of dumb. I think that's the point. Is no, that... no, she's smart, but she's sexy as sandpaper. Well, because you know, you know what, she's not running for a beauty pageant. What I'm, what I was looking at these people yeah. as potential like presidents or vice presidents doesn't matter. You know, anything else what they look like. I think if I were a woman, and uh, and I'm not, but if I were a woman, I think the thing that might chafe me a little bit, just partisanship aside, is that. Hillary Clinton, who, again, you know, what everybody thinks of her, I mean, she's just blindingly intelligent. I mean, she's just whip-smart, tough, aggressive. You have Always no... like nails. Totally. But... I mean, you have, you know, you kind of a Cruella de Vil vibe, but you have no doubt that if there was some country that was giving us guff, some guy, some nation waving a bunch of guns at us, you have no doubt that Hillary Clinton would just crush whoever needed to be crushed. And so if she somehow can't even get on the ticket, and yet Sarah Palin can, then the sort of indication is that Sarah Palin is a better candidate than Hillary Clinton, and I think that's what I would be irritated at if I was a woman. That the first woman to really come, you know, uh, within grabbing distance of the vice presidency uh, is, in fact, not anybody qualified. It is Sarah Palin, because the indication is, like, that's the best that the female sex can do. You know it would be great for uh, Palin and Hillary Clinton to sit down, like, drink a bunch, and then have, like, a debate on live on TV. You don't think that's a good idea? Well, I'll just file it, put it on the pile of things that we'll, uh, that we'll do someday. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Timmy Ryan. Hello. Hey, it's uh, Bruno. This is, uh, I'm a Kid Rock's uh, bodyguard. And uh, I just wanted to call and apologize. What are we my... doing right now? I think we need to get out of this, actually. What are... I just wanted to... All right, we're going to move on. Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. No character calls, no funny voices. That's a rule. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You yeah. have any idea the street value of this mountain here? Well, well done, sir. Good uh, reference. No, no, no. Real quick, I think maybe Mr. Palin is Mr. Joe Sixpack. In that? I don't <laughs> He could be uh, every man, and uh, she's just got herself all backwards. Uh, maybe he does have some bizarre mind control over her. I did that, but you see that the way they interact together, you see uh, the sort of vibe between them. On yeah, stage? I, I don't, well, I don't. I got to admit, I don't fully get it either. But the Joe Sixpack thing, I think she said it once, and and it's just kind of been stuck in everybody's brain. And now we all, every time we hear about her, we just think of Joe Sixpack. But maybe he is Joe Sixpack. I don't know. Well, maybe right. he has a six-pack. I appreciate it. Somebody, um, let's see, who was it? A little bit crazy out there today. Uh, yeah, somebody sent me one that says that if Sarah Palin is Britney Spears, then Todd would be Kevin Federline. Totally. That's totally the dynamic. I can, can, I can see that. But And don't you think it was the same with them for a while? That Britney, who was or is rich and powerful and has a lot of clout and influence, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, you know, whether she earned it or not, had it, but did for a little period of time seem totally under the influence of Kevin Federline. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that is exactly the same thing, how Sarah Palin... You know, whether she's intelligent or not, she clearly isn't. But it, whether she is or not, she does have at this moment a lot of power and a lot of drive, obviously, and clearly doesn't have any problem just kicking a guy in the groin figuratively when he, you know, when, when he crosses her. But she does seem sort of under the sway of Todd Palin, who, you know, when coupled with the sort of stupid vibe that guy puts off, I think that's what people find sort of off-putting about well, that's that the, that's the thing, I think. That's a pattern with a lot of powerful women. Like, there's always somebody in your life that, regardless of, you know, how much you want to get away from them, like, at least at some point in your life, it's just hard to get away from them. And wouldn't you agree with this, too, that that the – how do I put it? That, conventionally speaking, the more powerful or independent or self uh, not self-centered, but you know what I mean. The, the more uh, the more confidence and the better sense of self a woman has to everybody else, the more likely it is that there's some dick who uh, just has 
that has an inordinate amount of control over her. That's the thing. Like, you take the smartest woman you know, and there's just some complete gum chewer somewhere uh, that is able to just wrap her around his finger. And that's completely the vibe I see with them. I mean, there's probably got to be a name for that kind of dynamic, you know, for that sort of for that sort of setup, and we just don't know what it is. But, I mean, everybody has done it. Everybody has known, and guys are like this, too, but everybody has known some woman who you see her at work, you see her in the office, you see her in her professional life and her career, and she is completely driven and focused, and she's got it together, and she is, you know, not uh, not ruthless, but very in control, very powerful. But it's like the more she has all of those qualities, the greater the likelihood that there's some guy at home, no job, Ruining her credit, humping her best friend, and controlling everything she does. Just like anybody who watches The Hills. Like, that's exactly, there are these two characters on The Hills. I know this sounds so stupid, but this is exactly what it is. This girl Heidi on The Hills is dating this guy Spencer, who's just a notorious ass, who just, everyone knows he's just full-on evil. Right. And she had this fantastic job, and she still does, and she had all these chances for opportunities, but he would just come in at the last minute and be like, you need to be with me and embarrass her in front of her coworkers right. and do whatever, yet she keeps going back to him with lost almost all of her friends, right. lost potential jobs for this douchebag. He's a good man. Oh, man. Like, you don't see him the way I treat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what it's like when we're alone. Wow, did we just do that at the yeah. same time? All right, let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, um, I just think that she probably, hasn't she been with him since like high school? Uh, Yes, yeah, since they were, well, they got married at 17, right? When she was all with child and whatnot. Yeah, I think she just hooked up with him when she was really young. And I think she's changed and... He's probably still wild and crazy like he was in high school. That that seems that seems true. I could see that he's treading water in some sea of retarded adolescence. Yeah, he just I mean retarded of, in the clinical sense, he, not on the to her, to her credit, she did go I mean, she didn't go to Harvard, but she did get a college degree. She did go become an anchor at a news station. Yes. I mean she did she has done a few things in her life besides pop out kids. But you're and, right, he probably is I mean, look, I hate to keep going back to the snowmobiling thing, but really like, if that is what you're doing for a living, I mean, hey, first of all, God bless you. If you Bully for you. If you can if you can make a living riding a snowmobile, then, you know what, you're a better man than I am. I guess if he's working on a road crew. But if you really have enough time to do that, and frankly, if you have a wife who will just let you do that for a living, it does That's seem like, him. yeah, one of you has left high school mentally and probably the other one has not. Now, I would yeah. agree with you on that. And, you know, I, I think he also has been a commercial fisherman, which, you know, is, is, is a bit of a deadly job. So... I don't know his whole background, but I mean, it just to me, it just looks like they've been together a long time. Maybe got married a little too young, and um, because of where she's achieved and her attained or whatever in her life, she's kind of just uh, kind of stuck right. with him. All right, good observation. What is your name? Uh, Melissa. I was actually um, the one that sent you the Dolly Parton suggestion. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, Melissa sent me an email this weekend saying you just bought a Dolly Parton compilation, and you were noting oh. we've never done a top five Dolly Parton oh, songs. Oh my God, that's a great idea. So we got to do it. Right. I got this great CD. It's awesome, and um, she's just amazing. So yeah. Anyway, have a great day. Thank you. All right, Bye. there you go. Uh, we'll take a break here. As we're uh, going to break, this email says, okay, here we go. Eric Roberts played Paul Snyder in Star 80 with Mariel Hemingway's Dorothy Stratton. Eric White played Paul Snyder in Death of a Centerfold with Jamie Lee Curtis as Dorothy Stratton. Uh, similar slash identical products, uh, uh, projects, same characters, different cast. There you go. That's the source of the confusion. Let's take a break. We come back more from Timmy Ryan around the corner at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Craig Gass. Uh, listener Sean will be here with his top five teenage moping songs. Uh, we have a Geek Watch coming up, Clergy Watch, and we'll talk about Richie's drag queen cabaret stand-up comedy audition this weekend. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
kitchen for myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the street, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working Rick Emerson, radio program. It's a Sarah Dillon selection, by the way, because I, you asked me which Dolly Parton song to come back with, and it's just it's an overwhelming. Well, I really like, I know, I was like, I really wanted Jolene, but that's not the right, that's not the proper tone no, that's for, kind for of the news hour. Kind of a dark, bleak sort of song. Yeah. And the coat of many colors is also wrong. So, hard uh, candy Christmas also wrong. God, Dolly Parton writes some downer songs. Oh, Jesus. One of the most amazing women to ever grace this planet. Really, and the thing about nine to five is that song. Uh, Pour myself a cup of ambition. I mean, and, gotta love her. Well, and it's got that great. We've talked about this before. It does have that great sort of soul vibe, you know. That is that is a little tricky to do, especially in country music. I mean, country music can have a lot of things. Country music can have heart. Country music can have emotion. Country music can have, you know, it is a certain melancholy or it can be poignant. But actually having any kind of soul, uh, you know, in the southern sense, you know, that sort of swing to it. That's difficult to do in a country song. And you know what Dolly Parton does is uh, par excellence. Johnny DeRoshi and I have had this conversation. We had this formula that we came up with about the four stages that any great band, performer, or piece of art goes through. The four stages are these. It is popular. It is uh, reviled or ridiculed. That is stage number two. Stage three is it is embraced ironically or in a kitschy sense. And then stage four is it is acknowledged as genius. So those are the, that's the four stages everything goes through. Everybody loves it. Everybody hates it. People like it ironically. Then you just kind of, then you just kind of go, "F it, it's great." And so it is with, for example, uh, Meatloaf falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever. Um, Billy Ray Cyrus does not fit into that category. He, no, but see, but here's the thing about uh, he almost does. I will say this: Billy Ray Cyrus may not, but I'd say I do believe there'll come a time when Achy Breaky Heart really is recognized as a great as a great song, great performance. It's sampled. How do you mean? I don't know. Some some rap artist will sample Achy Breaky Heart. I think I think you know Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice is his uh, sort of the. Um, I think the rehabilitation of, of Vanilla Ice's image and that that song is going to take. I think every time one of these, every time you get an artist that is so tied to one song at this point, because there's so much media, I think people get burned out on it so much faster, and they get burned out at uh, burned out on it so much more. In other words, a song that you used to get sick of. You know, in a couple of years, you know, you'd go, ah, it's a pretty good song. But it's like at this point, you get so burned out on a song because you just hear it ad infinitum that it takes longer to rehabilitate the song in your mind. I think the day will come when Achy Breaky Heart, though, is recognized as a great piece of pop music. It really is. I'm already at that point. I've already embraced no, it as I a like great the pop song. song. I like some of the stuff Billy Ray Cyrus did early mm-hmm. in his career. I just think it's kind of creepy what he's done, you know, lately, hanging on to his Oh, no, he's all. all kinds of creepy. And he looks just like Keith Urban. So they got like the same haircut, man. That's kind of the way country's going. Look like Keith Urban. I don't. Either, it's either kind of like I don't know, frosted and highlighted and spiked, or they kind of grow sort of long. Well, but that's the thing is that they have that. 
they've all, you, you know who it is? I put my finger on it right now because there was this thing about six months ago when I was over um, uh, at the coin tower. I was at the couple lobby because I had some meeting or something to go to. Yeah. So I was walking to the couple lobby and this was about, uh, I don't know, this would have been maybe in February. And I thought I saw Billy Ray Cyrus and I was walking by. And and I thought, Billy Ray Cyrus, that's weird, but I was on my way to somewhere else, and you know, I want to hang out and be that guy. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting, Billy Ray Cyrus. And then I someone asked later, I'm like, hey, was that Billy Ray Cyrus in the lobby? And they're like, no, no. And I and then I thought, I know who it was. It was Keith Urban. But then it turns out it was actually neither of them. It was, was like, it, you know? It was, it was, no, it was like some other guy. But you know who they've all got? They've all got, and this is a niche reference, but if you know what I'm talking about, you will know in your heart, in your soul, in your marrow, that this is true. They've all got Chris Gaines' haircut. That's what it is, oh, man. Oh, yeah, the Chris Gaines thing. Yeah. They've all, and it's like that, it's like the long sheet of hair, almost like they're a goth girl who was sitting behind me in 1990 in high school. That's it, man. They've all got Chris Gaines' hair. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hello, what's up? Hey, uh, in regards to Sarah Palin, I must uh, respectfully submit to you guys that there's uh, almost jealousy and maturity coming from your, your platform. Uh, she's an intelligent woman, and, and she's beautiful. And once again, we think that only beautiful uh, chicks are, are uh, you know, for some reason, aren't smart. Uh, but she's done a good job up in Alaska. And I'm ashamed to hear some of the things that... I can't tell. Is this, is this are you being ironic? No, he's serious. Is this like a bizarro, like a gag call? I can't tell. I'm absolutely serious, and you know I am. She's doing a good job there. All right, well, let's... Well, let's you live? Okay. Hold on. Well, let's, let's back up. Let's take this one at a time. So... Okay. You, so you hear immaturity coming from this program? Yeah. I mean, just today, just now. Just. <laughs> do you, do you, have you never listened before? Well, new, new listener, about two weeks into the. Right. Into the immaturity class. is our uh, immaturity is our milieu, sir. That is the area. That's in, our fort. It, it is our fort. That's the area in which we excel, my friend. You know what? And that's what attracted me to you because Excellent. half of me is uh, pretty darn playful. But All nonetheless. Right. Well, let's 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 talk about Sarah Palin being intelligent for a minute. And I let's not be let's not be confrontational about this. I, yeah. in all in all honesty and sincerity, what has Sarah Palin done that indicates to you that she is intelligent? Well, she had the wherewithal to stand up to Congress and to her own party and uh, go against spending when it wasn't necessary. Well, I can I can give you that she's probably tough. I'll give you that. But what well, has she done that indicates to you that she's intelligent? Uh, well, I, I just said it. I just said no, it. No, no, no. That's toughness. I'll give you that she's tough. But I just, I disagree. That's an intelligent move to say this spending is not good for my state, the state that I run. That's intelligence. Uh, a toughness is how it would be delivered. Well, I think probably everybody in the country knows the government spends money wrong. That doesn't mean we're all intelligent. Just knowing that government is doing something bad, I don't know that that makes you like a brainiac. Okay. Dude, I know the government is, is messed up, and I'm as dumb as they come. I, I'm with you there, but I know that they take the <laughs> Nonetheless, I stand strong, and I say that I think she's intelligent. To, to get all the way to governor, uh, it's not a slouch. Just like, for example, George W. Bush. Uh -huh. uh, he's he's uh, done some real bozo things, yeah. but he's got an MBA from Yale, and they don't handle things out. And he's got fighter pilot wings, and, and, you know, you have to go through the rigor to get there. Sarah Palin obviously went through the rigor to get there. and uh, So you and think that, I'm just trying to figure this out, I really am. So you think that the fact that she is a politician is an indicator that she's smart? Absolutely not. Heck no. And you and I know that uh, that is zero criteria. Well, that's, but that's, I thought what you just said, that she had to go through everything to become a governor, therefore she's smart. Nope. She had to go through the process. I didn't, I didn't say she's a good politician. I said I she had to go through the fight and she had to go through... I don't understand. 
because so she had to get. Let's just take, go back to like her being in Wasilla. And I, again, I, I really am just trying to figure out where you're coming from. And and please don't take this. I don't mean to be condescending when I say this. I think you may be the first person I've ever met that thinks Sarah Palin is intelligent. I'm not trying to be snarky. Really, I, I think you could probably canvas the city right now and probably not find too many people who agree with you. So I'm trying to figure this out. So she was in this town of like 8,000 people, and you know she got 51% of the voting populace to vote for her. I, what about that makes her smart? Now let's back up. Do you know that a fact that she only got 51%? I'm, saying, you... it, I'm saying at bare minimum. You know, to get elected, you have to get more than people, you know, more than half the people in the town to vote for you. I guess I'm trying to figure out how does that make you smart? It can make you driven. It can make you motivated. can make you, depending on who you are, either ruthless or just very dedicated. I don't know how that makes you smart, though, is what I'm trying to get to the, the bottom of. It sounds like we're going to go in generality, so I'll go there. Here's the deal. I don't know any stupid people that are driven or or uh, or uh, motivated. Most of the uh, stupid people, you know, just kind of hang out or don't use the skills that God gave them. She obviously has the intelligence to be driven and go forward. Like yourself, you're driven. You have a radio program. I think you're intelligent. I listen to the things you say. I, I disagree with you about 90% of the time, but that's okay. I called in. So. so so to you, being motivated is the same thing as being smart? It can. It, I would put the two on the same line, definitely. Absolutely. So having a motivation is the same as having intelligence. Having a motivation and following through with it, having an action plan, is is a is a show sign of intelligence greater than the average uh, uh, Joe out there. And here's a good one too. I heard Sarah say a little bit earlier. Um, yes. Uh, talking about. Uh, what do you make of Sarah Palin not being able to name a magazine she reads? Irrelevant. Well, irrelevant. Yeah, but, but would you agree that that's a simple question that an intelligent person could answer? Sure, but the reason she didn't answer, she answered it for an, she didn't answer for an intelligent reason because it's irrelevant. We're not talking about what she reads. I mean, this is this is a high powered position. Right. This is of great importance so, to our country. Right. Uh, so I guess, and again, I'm, I'm just asking now because we so rarely have sort of serious political discussions on this program. Very rarely, most of the calls are just about you know like uh, you know boobs and whatever, which is fine. Uh, or pickles. So let me ask you this, because we so infrequently have conversations like this. When when uh, when someone is uh, auditioning for the gig that makes you the second most powerful person in the government, and quite possibly somebody who could then become president, and somebody says, well, what do you read? Which is, of course, a way of saying, from where do you get your information? Where do you get your worldview? Yeah. You don't think that's relevant. Well, I can't, I can't answer for her. I, I just... I'm saying, no, 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 I'm not asking you to answer for her. I'm saying when someone asks someone who could very well be president, what do you read? In other words, what do you read, what do you study to get your worldview? I'm asking you, you don't think that's relevant. I am saying she obviously thought it was irrelevant to answer. Okay, but I'm not asking about her. I'm asking you. Do you believe, you, sir, do you believe that knowing what someone reads and studies and where they get their worldview, do you believe that's relevant? Could be, yes. Could be. So you believe it's a relevant question? Yes. So my question is, why don't you care that she was unable to name one? Since you believe it's I, relevant... I, 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 I disagree that she was unable. I, uh, I believe that she chose not to. She chose... By choice, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Answer because at that moment it was irrelevant. It 
was not uh, pertinent to... Uh, All right, well, hold on, hold on. Let's stop there for a second. Well, at that moment, what made it irrelevant? Since you, as a voter, you just told me you feel it's relevant, so she is auditioning for your vote. In your opinion, what made it irrelevant when she was being interviewed by a news person for millions of Americans to watch, auditioning for, really, the job of the presidency? What makes it irrelevant at that moment? She's auditioning for vice presidency. Uh, yes, I, I understand. But you also know that you also Why? know that that is a way of auditioning for the president because that's one of the duties of the vice president to take over the that office. So I'm asking you, in that moment, as she is auditioning for really both of those jobs at once, uh, in her first at that time extended interview ever, ever, ever on that stage, yeah. you yourself believe that's a relevant question. So my question to you is, why is it not relevant when Katie Couric asks her? Take context, as much time as you need. Yeah, no, I, I don't need a lot. In the context of what, what was going on during the interview, Sarah Palin found it unimportant to answer I'm not, that. okay, listen, for but, this, sir, you keep, it, uh, okay, you keep disregarding this. I'm not asking whether Sarah Palin wanted to answer it. Clearly, she didn't. I'm saying to you, what makes that question irrelevant when Katie Couric asks her? Don't, add, don't tell me what Sarah Palin thought, because you don't know that, and neither do I. Yeah, what right. to you? What makes that irrelevant? Well, let me ask you this. Why no, 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 no. You can't answer a question with a question. Uh, but I choose to. No, okay. Why? Well, sir. Why would? Why sir, would I? I have tried. Now, look. Would you agree that I've been? Very patient to I've been let you speak very your polite point. and very courteous. Here. And you said you didn't need a lot of time to answer it. So please. I'm. I'm not trying to be confrontational. I. I think we've been very polite and courteous. I'm just asking you that question. And it's. It is evasive and weaselly to answer a question with a question, sir. Oh, I'm offended. Actually, I'm not. I'm pondering this, and I don't have a good answer. I, uh, yeah, okay. And you do that when you ask it, but that's okay. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know that. You. I would assume that as a voter, you would have a reason to make a statement like that. You wouldn't just say it, you know, in a completely baseless sense. That would be silly. Here's, here's where I'll go with it. Then, uh -huh. My perspective, now this is just me. I was one guy down here in Southern Oregon. From my perspective, um, yes. interviews on, on both sides, whether it's Rock or Biden mm -hmm. or Sarah or McCain, uh, they choose to answer they feel was relevant. Okay. I'm not I, asking if Sarah Palin thought it was relevant. You keep going back to that. I'm, I'm asking, sir, why it doesn't matter to you where she gets her worldview or what she studies. It is important to me where she gets her world, mm -hmm. world and what she studies. Yes. And I think that her... her uh, what, so, so what is it? What does she study? The way that, that what does she, she read? The way that she gathers information is... I'm assuming far more than just the periodicals that she gets at her doorstep by the mailman, wouldn't you? What are those periodicals? I don't know. I'm, I'm saying I'm assuming. Okay, but I'm but I'm okay. Let's let me, bottom line is here. You keep saying that it is important to you, and yet you don't know. I, I don't know. Okay, so we all agree that it's an important thing. So my question to you is, why doesn't it bother you that she would not answer what you yourself have repeatedly said to be an important piece of information for you as a voter? Because I trust her to gather her information, many sources, just like you and I do. So your logic is based in the trust of politicians? No, my logic is based on the trust of a person. Right, of, of Sarah Palin, who is a politician. So your trust is yeah. based on the idea that a politician doesn't need to tell you where they get their worldview or what they study. You just assume that it's there somehow. 
if you want to if you want to narrow it to that, sure. Well, I'm just I'm just asking. So so well, what? Yes, I think the debate would go in this year, but sure. So if you want to narrow it to that, okay. I'll, I'll see it. Yes. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay. There you go. You make me proud sometimes. You know, I'm just trying to have a reasonable discussion about things. Thank you for listening, sir. Okay. It's 503-733-2970. You're listening to KCMD Portland, part of the CBS family, the network that employs Katie Couric to ask the tough questions. Uh, should we take a break and then do these calls? Let's take a break and resettle. Hey, if you're on uh, on hold, hang tight. We'll get to you around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Uh, calls and we return. And Billy Ray Cyrus yeah. news. I'm, snar- I'm sorry for snapping at you earlier, Timmy Ron. You snapped at me? I was kind of brusque with you earlier. Why? You didn't even know. Oh, is that when you dumped me? Is that what you're talking about? And then I had told you you needed a timeout. You could have told me right. I needed a spanking. Didn't? See, I was going to give you a secondary apology, but now you're just being weird. Back after this, coming up later on, top five, Craig Gass, Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, and all that stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. presents the final presidential debate with running commentary by Rick Emerson and special guests Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Celebrating Talktober all month long. This is AM 970, The Talker. Let's talk about reading for a moment, shall we? Now I'm going to defy you. What do you read, Rick Emerson? Oh, it's not important, Sarah. What do you think? Where do you get your day-to-day information? Like Powell's what? books at Cedar Hills Crossing, that's what, where. where. What kinds of uh, materials do you read there, Rick Emerson? <sighs> you know, here's the I thing. know this might be difficult. Don't Take be, all the time you need. Don't be mean. Take all the time you need. Don't be jerky. We tried to, we tried <laughs> to stay positive. <laughs> I'm not. Here's it. We see if we could go one whole way here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defy expectations here. Uh, a week ago yesterday, uh, we did the Mythbusters behind-the-scene thing uh, at the uh, at the Schnitzer. Mythbusters behind-the-scenes, Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman were there. And it was, I mean, it was fantastic. If you were there, you saw it. It was great, you know. Uh, and they've been doing those across the country, sort of a Q&A, where they show behind-the-scenes video from Mythbusters. And then they, you know, I did a Q&A with those guys. And then the audience asked questions. And it was really great. It was a whole day of... It's almost impossible for me to do this in my normal voice of embracing science and technology and learning. And there was somebody, and I think I mentioned this story before. Somebody uh, stood up in the audience. They asked a question, and they said, "Look, uh, you know, I'm only 15, so you know, you guys probably aren't going to be able to hire me. But someday, if I ever want to get a gig like yours, if I want to be a MythBuster type guy, if I want to get some sort of science job, something that allows me to pursue stuff that I enjoy for a living, what should I do? What's the first step?" And really, almost in unison, almost in absolute lockstep, Jamie and Adam both responded, read. you got to read. And it almost doesn't matter what you read. Reading itself, you know, it's like a lot of times people say, well, you go to college. College doesn't teach you, you know, it doesn't, you don't necessarily learn. It's like you're learning how to learn. That's what reading is. When you read, your brain learns how to absorb information, how to process, how to retain, how to understand things, how to lay bare the core of an argument or a discussion or a disagreement or a theorem. Um, so that really is why you want to read. And you also want to read because it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's a great way to spend the time, and you know what? And it keeps you from being one of the great middle of America. Let's just be honest, all right? Let's just call it what it is. keeps you smarter than most of the people that you work with. So uh, 
Uh, you want to go see uh, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing for that. They can handle all your reading and knowledge needs, my friends. 3415 uh, Southeast Cedar Hills Boulevard, where Hall and Cedar Hills Boulevard intersect. You walk in, you're going to see the ads heard on the Rick Emerson Show table. You can see things suggested by Tim Riley, Sarah Dillon, myself. You might also check out a great book by Mark Halperin called The Way to Win, Taking the White House in 2008, which is one of the best things about political campaigns I've ever read in my life. You can find that. You can find any number of books there, new and used, stocked together. Trade any books for 20% cash, or I'm sorry, rather for uh, cash, or 20% above that in store credit. Grab yourself some caffeine while you're there as well. Coffee sharp right when you walk inside. Tell them you heard it on the Rick Emerson Show. They are Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Talking about the stuff you really talk about. Dennis Miller. As far as this uh, O.J. Simpson trial, can we just get this over and let him go again now? Listen. Once the woman came out of the jury room and said she had decided to let him off because she didn't know anything about any DNA, I gave up on the legal system. You're not going to break my heart because he braced this thug about the bobblehead coin. Just let him go. I thought that was as good as John McCain's going to do. That being said, out of the four orators in this thing, he is probably fourth. Uh, as far as the four people who have done things over the course of their life that I admire, he is first. If McCain gets elected and he wants to hire a DH to give his speeches, I'd be glad to have Barack Obama come in and speak for him. I just don't want him to be the President of the United States. Dennis Miller, morning 7 to 10, only on AM 970. The Talker. Tonight, you can run, you can fight. Finish him! You just can't escape. Who would make a person that scared? Are we dealing with a cannibal? New CSMAME CBS Tonight. I can tell when a child has a fever just by touching their cheek. I can hear a sleeping child cough through three closed doors. I can make chicken noodle soup that has healing powers. I can take better care of my family by taking care of myself. With Walmart's unbeatable prices on over-the-counter products, from Centrum Multivitamins to Advil Liquid Gels and Robitussin DM Max, moms can do anything. Save money, live better. Walmart. We will match the price of any local competitor's print ad for an identical product. See store for details. Use only as directed. I remember crying tears of joy when I heard his tour of duty was over. But since he's been back, it seems all I do is cry myself to sleep. This isn't the same man I said goodbye to. I know he's been through a lot, but when I ask him if he wants to talk about it, he shuts me out. I watch him struggle as he tries to get to know our son, who was born while he was gone, and our daughter seems angry and acts out. I've also noticed he's jumpy and can't relax. He's not sleeping. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and find him drinking and watching TV like he's afraid to come back to bed. I wake up every morning wishing he'd let me in so I can help him and find some way to make our family whole again. Those who anxiously waited for a loved one to return from combat may find him or her struggling to feel at home again, but no one has to go it alone. To find out where to turn for confidential help, visit mentalhealthamerica.net or call 800-969-6642. A public service message from Mental Health America. Are you tired of the negative political campaigns yet? Can you believe the millions of dollars being spent on negative TV ads? It's time for campaign finance reform in Oregon. It's time to vote yes on Measure 64. We need Measure 64 to close the loophole of co-mingling and public resources into campaign funds. 
it's time to vote yes on Measure 64. Nobody should be able to use our tax dollars, our precious public resources, to collect their campaign money. It's time to mandate penalties if people use our public resources to collect their campaign funds. For example, hundreds of thousands of these commingled dollars have been spent to influence the race for Secretary of State, the very one who conducts the taxpayers' audits of state agencies and public employees. Measure 64 stops commingling and stops the use of our tax dollars to raise political funds. This is the year to vote yes on campaign finance reform. Vote yes on Measure 64. Paid for by Oregonians for honest elections. When was the last time someone offered you a second chance to save thousands of dollars? If you owe the IRS or state at least $15,000, American Tax Relief is offering you a second chance to eliminate up to 85% of your delinquent taxes. Thousands of honest, hardworking Americans have turned to American Tax Relief for the help they need. Look, your tax problem isn't going to go away. In fact, it's only going to get worse unless you get help. Call 1-800-217-7697. Now you have qualified help in dealing with the IRS. This is the second chance you never had before to save up to 85% on the taxes you owe. Get the second chance you deserve and save up to 85% on your delinquent taxes. Call American Tax Relief for a free consultation to see how much money they can save you. Call 1-800-217-7697. Call right now for your second chance. 1-800-217-7697. That's 1-800-217-7697. You're there, middle age. It's tough. You're tired and you worry. What's next? Are you aging well? Are you healthy? Are you sleeping well? How's your attitude, your heart, and your energy level? Do you get up motivated and excited about life? Or are you anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, and wondering where the years went? It's not the real you. Struggling with anxiety and depression is hard, but it can be even harder as you get older. Don't waste the most important years of your life worried and depressed. You're building memories for you and your family right now. You deserve to feel good and be happy now more than ever. I'm Lucinda Bassett, president of the Midwest Center for Stress and Anxiety. Please call right now for a wonderful free CD that can tell you how to take control of your anxiety and depression. Maybe the best years are yet to come. Call now. For your free CD, please call 1-800-700-2844. 1-800-700-2844. That's 1-800-700-2844. KCMD Portland. So, so, You're listening to AM 970. 970. 970. The Talker. before that gets any worse. All right. Oh, my God. It's insane. It is a crazy day. We just found out. All right. So, Greg Gass is standing by. He'll be uh, joining us here in a few. Timmy Ryan is shoveling food into his face like he was a velociraptor. He's shoveling in Top Ramen, but it is... There's meat. You know, there's animal in that. No, no. There's... Um, Richie just said there was meat in no, that. No, no. There's no flavor in it. It's just noodles. I saw you just mix in the powder. No, he, no. That wasn't powder. He that, flat out said... No, that wasn't powder. A, that was um, uh, crushed pepper that I found in the drawer. That was not crushed pepper. It was I white and okay, green. I'm going to show it to you. God. Richie just said there were animal products no, in that. not in the noodles. In, okay, in the seasoning there is. This is crushed. Yes, I saw you put on the seasoning, and then I saw this laying on the counter still after you already blended the But that's seasoning. crushed red pepper, but that did not come is with... Is the um, seasoning on there? 
No, not the actual top ramen seasoning. No. All right. I found that in the counter uh, in the break room. Dude, but here's the thing is that I know you're lying because I just saw you mix it in and I saw that still sitting on the nope. counter. Hold on. You, Hold you on. Came in. Okay, I have two. I have two. By the way, we should also note, let's all, let's all remain in control. We should also note we just discovered another. I have to tell you this. Just as we went to break, uh, the door, and we're in a soundproof room, theoretically. We are behind soundproof windows. We are behind a soundproof door. As we were in this break, we heard this unholy scream of agony from down the hall, and we didn't know what it was. Turns out it's Richie because uh, Richie and, you know, and more power, God bless him, he's on five days of no smoking. So Richie has quit smoking. He's now been, it's now been five days without a cigarette. So that was like the unholy, uh, pain-filled wail we heard from down the hall. That was definitely freaking No smooth, satisfying cigarettes for Richie. Don't be an ass. That's mean. You should be happy. You should go apologize now. That's smooth. Apologize right now. Do it. To Richie? Why? Because we're supportive of people who try to quit smoking. Apologize. Richie, I wish you the best of luck in your sm- quitting smoking endeavors. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, regarding uh, motivation. Yes, sir. I must be a freaking genius. Like that guy was talking about? Yes. You're motivated? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, before I do anything in the morning, I'm so motivated. Before I brush my teeth, before I take a shower, I take a big bong rip every day, every morning, no matter how hard it is to get there. Even if I'm really tired, I'm motivated. It really now. was. Uh, it was on the tip of my tongue to mention that Britney Spears must be amazingly intelligent because she does seem like a relatively, uh, a relatively driven woman. As well as Paris Hilton. Yeah. yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, everybody. This is Benjamin. How's Hello. it going? What's up? Hello. Hey, well, uh, uh, there's two things you almost never discuss with your coworkers or uh, friends, and that's politics and I'm religion. I'm sorry. I was distracted <laughs> by the fact that Timmy is slurping noodles in front of the microphone. I forgot that my mic's on. I'm sorry. Jesus. Ah. All right. Yes? Well, I, I, I didn't hear it, so it didn't bother me a bit. Uh, please continue, Tim. Um, anyway, I, I found myself in a... Uh, uh, interesting position of uh, you know I'm not I'm not going to say I'm I'm for or against anyone in particular. This is kind of a neutral comment, just observing the process. Mm-hmm. But I find myself kind of having to step up and defend Sarah Palin in this one one regard. Yes, um, you know I I have a real love hate relationship with politics. I mean on one hand I think it's the most important thing you can do to be informed and to to vote. And then on the other side, if you get too invested in it, you realize it's all a hopeless mess and there's no easy answers. But what really really irritates me is when non-issues dominate the discussion and i and i gotta say i think sarah palin being you know choking when when asked what's your information source uh... you know i think it's a non-issue and i'll tell you why because i've got you know a, a wealth of knowledge and experience in psychology and uh, you know if you're if you say well where did you get that i'd, I'd have to say you know, I went to college. Right. You know, I've read a lot of books and magazines and newspapers continually. You know, I've got almost 10 years of experience. I've had a lot of discussions with people and, and mentoring. And if you say, well, name, name some sources. Where do you get your information? I'd have to say uh, all of the above. You know, there's not one source I draw from. It's all of that combined together. So yeah, but, he... but, that's, but that's not what she was asked. Uh, Katie Couric said, in fact, Katie Couric said literally, the follow-up question to Sarah Palin, I don't mean to belabor this, but unless anybody thinks I'm being unfair, um, she was asked, what do you read? And she said, all of them. And then Katie Couric said, can you name one? No, one. She said, what do you read? Give me an example. Now, look, you may not be able to name everything. You better be able to name one, or that means whole sections of your brain just ain't working. 
All right. Well, and I think it's unfair to narrow it down to just one because if she pulled one out out of her hat and said, "Well, I read that," then you go, "Oh, so that's where you get your information," and we'd all be talking about how that's all she reads. No one would be saying that if she said, "Look, I read a lot of things. Among them, the New York Times." You know what? Everybody go, "Well, okay, fair enough." And 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 again, I, I hate to seem like I'm piling on. But you remember when Obama made that one statement about, which is a really great thing he said when he said you ought to be able to do more than one thing at the same time. You ought to be able to multitask. Here's the thing. Look, you might choke on TV. I might choke on. T I have choked on TV. Who am I kidding? I would. I, you know, I, I've. We. Everybody's done that. But I don't think it's too much to say that in a country of 280 million people, that you can find someone who a is simultaneous, you know, who is simultaneously intelligent and able to answer questions from Katie Couric. You know what I mean? Like, sure, a lot of us would choke, but that's why we're not running for president. That's why I don't want the average American running for president. The average, per the average person shouldn't be president, isn't qualified to be. The idea that in almost 300 million people, we can't find somebody who is both intelligent and able to think on their feet to, to, to Katie Couric is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Okay, well, fair enough. I just right. had to throw my two cents, in, right. uh, two cents in there. Always appreciated, sir. Thank you. I mean, I don't mean to... I don't mean to become that show and that guy and whatever, but it is what people are talking about. It is what it is. What, it's, it's a it is, presidential I mean, season. The biggest story. It's the biggest story right now. And by the way, we are going to be carrying uh, the final presidential debate this Wednesday, 6 p.m. Commentary, running a commentary throughout the thing from Tim uh, Riley, myself, and Peter Carlin. Peter Carlin for the Argonian, Tim Riley, myself, running commentary this Wednesday for the Not final presidential news. debate. Really? Breaking news. Is it Richie saying there's no goddamn gum in the vending machine? In all caps? <laughs> Richie, I told you I have gum, dude. Come in here. Is this actual breaking news? This is breaking okay, news. Hold this, on. Is, this is big. Let me, this is hold on. Good breaking let me get the breaking news sounder. Hold on a second. I, uh, let's see here. Hold on. And uh, wait, wait, wait. And... All right. Things have gotten a little better. Wall Street celebrated Columbus Day by returning to unfamiliar waters. Positive territory. Just days after posting the worst weekly plunge in the Dow's 112-year history, the benchmark U.S. index posted its best one-day point game ever on Monday as the lateral global efforts on Wall Street restored the markets. Dow Jones jumped up about 11.42% to about 94.16.20. Excellent. Yeah, so that's that's good news. Things, uh, things have gotten better literally overnight. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Oh, about the last caller, uh, I think the key phrase in that conversation that sort of tells you everything you need to know was, hey, I'm just one guy from Southern Oregon. <laughs> well, look, I'm just one guy from Southeast Washington, so. Yeah. 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 Well, right. you know, search your feelings, you know it to be true. Hey, by the way, speaking of Sarah Palin, uh, so if you go to the Superficial, uh, which is a gossip blog, they're not, and they are sort of safe for work. There's blurring and covering up. They're, they're, uh, and the Superficial usually saves it top to the cut. Yeah, they're quasi-safe for work. They're revealing but not actual nudity. There are stills from the Sarah, from the Nalen Palin uh, porn film that's up there. Larry, the Larry Flint uh, porn film, the Nalen Palin. It is basically it's a woman who looks a lot like Sarah Palin, but with huge uh, endowments. Um, huge tracts of land. Exactly. And there's a uh, there's one of her holding machine gun, and one of her appears to be nude, wrapped in a flag. Where is this at? Uh, Thesuperficial.com. Yeah, so, all right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right. We'll do a few more. We'll do a couple more news stories, and we'll have uh, Craig Gass join us. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. What's yes. up? Hey. So what exactly kind of a troglodyte is Richie anyways? Somehow I thought I was transported to an alternate universe in which Neanderthalus had won out and, and, and human mankind had just stopped there for a minute. All right. I appreciate the lexicon that you're using here, but I don't know what we're talking about. So, well, 
my my point is Richie answers the way the particular way in which he answers the phone is completely oh, inaudible. Uh, Richie is is it sort of like a Joe? Exactly. Yeah, he's uh, Richie is endeavoring to quit smoking. He's on day five on those cigarettes. Oh, okay. Well, then I I will yeah. cut him some slack wow. though. Yeah. Uh, okay. How else can my, I help you today? My comment actually was on Mad Men last night. Oh, genius. Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. One of the best. I would say it's in the all-time top three. One of the best that we've ever had. In well, I've actually show. just started watching the show, but it was straight out of a Fellini film. Yeah, yeah. That 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 uh, swimming pool scene, you know, with an incredibly bored and spoiled you know, little group there. It was, it was straight out of a Fellini party scene. Yeah. Fantastic. And it, and it totally plays into Don Draper's ongoing uh, fascination with and attempts to escape, um, you know, because he's already reinvented himself at least once. There was that moment when he tried to run away with Rachel Menken. Uh, right. He came to her apartment and he wanted to bolt, and he's like, we'll start over like Adam and Eve, and she told him to get bent. So he obviously has always just got one foot out the door and one eye on the exit. Um, exactly. It was so great, and plus, it, it does it does make you think about everybody talks about the '60s being a different time, but you realize no pager, no cell phone, you know, there's no uh, you know there's no internet. He's not going to get an instant message. You know, he dropped off the grid, as they say, and there's no way to find him. Exactly, and and he just left his partner sitting there at a business lunch, you know, sweating bullets. Totally, but how satisfying is that to, to that douche Pete Campbell just sitting there? Well. Uh, a few more uh, minutes. Why don't we have a round of drinks? And just just weaseling, you know, like a like a duck on a skillet. Um, exactly. Fantastic character study. Yeah, it was really really great. And I would say the stuff with uh, Kurt uh, in that when they're in that uh, office, the, the, whatever the, the little storeroom or whatever, the uh, you know, the kitchen area, and bringing in the donuts. And oh, yeah, the tons of donuts. By the way, Sarah, you would appreciate this. There's a whole little subplot last night about a guy in the office taking the female lead to go see Bob Dylan. And this is only in six, this is in 62. Mm -hmm. And so it's great because they're discussing Dylan as being very much still this up-and-coming, you know, thing. And, uh, you know, it, it, he was not really a star at that point. He was just sort of, there was some buzz about him. So there's a couple that are going to see Bob Dylan, which okay, is great. Okay, that's pretty cool. And how great was that moment, though, when... Um, when somebody implies that that Peggy and Kurt are going like on a date, and Kurt, and this is in 1960, oh, you know, no, I am the homosexual, and I, the guy, and, and the guy, and Ken Cro Ken Cosgrove, Ken Cosgrove from accounts says the full-on Princess Bride line. He goes, I don't think that word means what you think, what it, you means. think it means. And he goes, No, no, no. <laughs> I do not have sex with the women. I make love with the men. And then everybody just, everybody just sort they, of. They just freeze in this, this utterly, like, paranoid, like, I can't believe that someone like this actually exists. Like, it was, I thought it was in just movies and the, or something. And I will tell you, there was three great things about that. There was a hilarious, that scene was hilarious when everybody looks and that, that Kinsey guy kind of goes, um, what? You know, and he's, like, buttering his bagel or whatever, and he stops because he's confused. So there, it was hilarious. But that show is so great because obviously in that room with them is Salvatore, who is a closeted gay man. Who is so closeted? Oh my and God! The way he smokes his cigarettes with you know his his you know pinky extended, and, yeah, his yeah, pinky and forefinger but, together, and you're like, oh my God, but come on! There's this there's this hilarious moment when Kurt says, no no no, I make love with the men. I am from Europe. It is different, and everybody is sort of it's very funny. But the great thing about that show is it immediately shifts. It does the great Joss Whedon thing of shifting from hilarious to awkward because as soon as he leaves, I mean, you know, and they start saying things, you know, like, uh, what did the guy, you know, I knew, I, I knew, queer, I knew they existed, I knew but I just didn't existed. want to work with one or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I knew there were homos. I just didn't want to work with one. And then, you know, the one guy says, what bathroom does he use? And, it's, and you immediately see on Salvatore's face, 
you know, yeah, yeah, he's that's standing nervousness. Ha, ha, yeah. ha. and he realizes he's standing next to a bunch of douchebags who are bigots and who would hate him if they knew he was gay. Um, right. It's just, you know, but then it does end up, it, it ends up great because when Kurt goes to Peggy's apartment to pick her up for Bob Dylan, she she's lamenting the fact that, you know, that she was interested and he's gay and she's why do I always pick the wrong boys and he says and he gives her a makeover and he gives her a makeover he goes your hair it is not the it is old it is not modern sit down and he puts lays down some newspaper and he sits her and she says just a little just a little trim okay and he goes no problem and he cuts off like her whole ponytail with some scissors it was just a great episode it was just fantastic it was beautiful so I'm glad you I'm glad you liked it it was a really one of their best episodes ever just, last night and, and you have to say if anybody is is into Mad Men, they should rent the entire lexicon of Fellini films. They would just fall in love with them. Excellent. All right. Good observation. Thank you. Bye. All right. It was fantastic. And the um and just I there's one other thing I'll say about Mad Men. We'll do a couple stories and gas will come in. Um I have to say the great thing about last night too is that it did tap into this this primal urge to escape and to go where nobody knows you. Uh because again, there's you know, there's no cell phone, there's no pager, there's no tracking anybody down. And Don just goes over to this house where nobody really lives there are all these kind of rich traveling nomads and suddenly he's in this sort of commune environment with this hot 21 year old girl and i mean the most heavy-handed symbolism of the entire episode is when they're there and he's in the bedroom with this girl and he doesn't know her last name they don't know anything about each other but suddenly he's in this mansion with these traveling hippies and he says what's your name and she says and she just looks at him it was like it was so heavy-handed and on the nose but she looks at him and she goes I'm Joy, which was like a great, a great really, just like laying it on extra thick moment. But was that show really does tap into a lot of, uh, I think really a lot of primal and kind of hidden desires that especially in 2008 you have. But again, to go back to my point from the 11 o'clock hour, that's why that show is so much better than Life on Mars. No one wants to live in 1973. You want to go there on a vacation for like a day and a half just to look around. No one wishes that it was 1973. Rapid no one notes. anywhere. I, I suppose that is true. <laughs> All right, let's do one more, and then we'll welcome Craig Gass to the show. Timmy Ryan. Speaking of gay people, Chicago may get a gay-friendly high school. It's true. Public school officials in Chicago, Illinois, Chicago, are recommending approval of a gay-friendly high school because harassment and violence are causing gay students to skip class and drop out at alarming rates. It seems like there is some pun there about skip class. Wow. I can't quite put it together. All right, go ahead. Uh, the School for Social Justice Pride Campus which officials say will not be exclusive to lesbian, gay, and bisexual, as well as transgender students, is aimed at being safe and welcoming for any student looking for another school option. That, according to Josh Edelman, executive officer for Chicago Public Schools. Wow, you really sold that to me. Yeah, really? Lots of passion. By the way, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, uh, when I was in New York, I noticed that there are a bunch of different schools that people can go, can go to. Like, you can go to a normal high school, then, like, just like this uh, gay school might exist. Like, there are mechanical schools where you can go to high school to be a mechanic. Mm -hmm. Or, like, a fashion school where you can go to high school to be in fashion. I'm so permanently embittered about the American education I system. I mean, you didn't have looked, anything like that, did you? Oh, God, no. Did you? Timmy, what? What is your high school? Did you have, like, a, a magnet program or a gifted program? I mean, not for you, obviously, but for other people. Oh, you mean the TAG program? <laughs> what is that? Talented and gifted. Uh, were you in that? Did it, but it existed, at least. You had that, right? Yeah, I turned. I didn't want to be in it. Did oh, I see. You turned them, down, you turned them down. No, I, like... I That's just, like the Sarah Palin could have answered that, but she chose not to. No, I just wasn't into that whole thing. You know, they, they offered to me. I'm like, nah. What are you not into? I mean, why would you not were accept... Were you super intelligent to me, Ryan? 
Well, I, I guess I did a really good on a bunch of scores. So my freshman year, they're like, you're eligible for the talent and gifted program. The, I'm the like, big no indicator thanks. there is that you describe yourself as doing really good on a no, bunch I of scores. No, I guess I did. I don't even know what it was, but I guess I did. Like I did. I'm, I'm not going to shine my own shoes here, but they offered it to me. And then I'm like, nah, it's kind of not my thing. But I mean, what is. Yeah, re- what wasn't your what, thing about yeah, it? Pretty what, much there were special classes set up for, I guess, kids. Just to get you away from Nimrods. Who had, yeah, exactly. They had, you know, like, you know, I, I, Sign me I, up. I guess higher intelligence or something. Why would you opt just to sit next to a bunch of gum chewers all day if you don't have to? Because my friends weren't like that, you know? I, I was, oh, you know, well, I was that's just, a fair point. Seriously, no. I don't want to, I mean, I saw the people that you were in those socially programs, isolated. Right, and it's just like, they weren't my friends, and I wanted to hang out with my friends, which, you know, were a bunch of beer-drinking douchebags. Okay, no, I could see that. I mean, in high school, that that's a fair point. How'd you do in high school, Timmy Ryan? Uh, as bored. I solid C minus student. No, I was interested in music and radio. They, but I mean, they would, let me take half the day off to uh, be on the radio. You so. have food on your chin. Thank <laughs> you. That's part of that's the gifted part of the uh, talented and gifted. All right, uh, shall we, uh, Richie? Can we bring Craig Gas to the studio and we'll just sort of uh, we will roll on, but we will have the uh, the have accompaniment of one Craig Gas. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two. 970. Uh, we'll get more phone calls here in a moment. We'll do uh, more news. Coming up later on, we'll do uh, top five with listener Sean, who will come in, count on his top five teenage moping songs. Geek Watch, Clergy Watch. I got this Facts of Life question I still didn't get a chance to answer. Um, oh, and then I have this written down to myself. Maybe Craig Gass can answer this. Craig Gass, sure. what is ranch, as in ranch Doritos? What is ranch? Magic. Magic on your Doritos. I mean, it is. It's fatty, delicious magic. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it made out of? What are the ingredients in ranch? I don't know. It's like I don't want to know about hot dogs. You can tell me what's in hot dogs. And I go, all right, well, I like pig butt. Hot dogs are sort of pig a... Pig's anus. Uh, hot dogs are... You know what hot dogs are? Hot dogs are sort of a... Uh, they're sort of a shaped head cheese that's been covered up with something so you don't see the inner workings. That's what it is. So. And I don't care. It, it's delicious. I uh, I had a great hot dog yesterday with cream cheese on it before the Seahawks game, which is why I scheduled my show here so I could go to see a Seahawks game. <laughs> And uh, and I whatever's on Doritos, it's magic. All right, Craig Gas, comedian, impersonator, impressionist. Wait, what is the difference between it? Somebody who does impersonations and impressions. What is the difference? Impersonation, I think, is kind of like that really gay show that I was on last summer on ABC that was oh. called uh, Next Best Thing, where people actually uh, look like somebody and they and they dedicate uh, their life to being like somebody. Um, I think that when you do impressions, I think. You, uh, you're the guy that that can do, you know, the voice mannerisms and voices. yeah, I guess so, yeah. Which uh-huh. and they're both weird. They're both loaded with weird people. So if you could do an impersonation of somebody, wait, first of all, could you do an impersonation of somebody? Like if you had, because everybody knows, and we'll uh, undoubtedly be hearing these in just a moment. But you obviously do all kinds of voices, and they're great, and they're unconventional, <laughs> and not the same old thing, and whatever, and everybody knows that. If you could though do an impression, is there or an impersonation? Is there somebody you could pass as? Do you think? I think well, it depends. If the weirder the voice, the easier it is for do it to do it because uh, there's something to latch on to. Because I'm trying to figure if like if you could like be made over to well, actually like, pass as somebody like? physically. Oh well, yeah, they they made me dress up like Al Pacino for this thing and yeah, but that's a it was gay. But, I mean, they made me look like uh, Al Pacino, but it was it was you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like Norm Macdonald saw the show and I was like, hey, did you see the thing I was on? He goes, yeah, hey, hey. it was probably great for the gays. Yeah, it was gay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. There's somebody you kind of look like, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I get a lot of uh, Ben Stiller. I can see that. Oh, totally. I, I get uh, Bruce Willis sometimes. Yes, also. And I, and I get Nikki Six sometimes. Also, oh, that yes, totally. You know, from the nose down, you're Nikki Six. You yeah. totally got that. For Bruce Willis, you shouldn't be Bruce Willis. You should just be Bruno. 
Bruno? That's okay. all, you just do all the, like, the return of Bruno. In the that should be your Bruno. thing. So. Uh, hi, this is Bruce Willis, and we're going to be back with this awful impression of Bruce Willis. It sounds <laughs> like Christopher Walken. Like Isn't that strange? We're going to come back, and we're going to tell more gay jokes like this one. Did you hear about the gay midget? He just came out of the cupboard. Pow! We'll be back in a minute on the Rick Emerson Show. Fantastic. <laughs> we're actually here right now. Are we breaking now? Or are we, we can't staying? break right now. We can, I don't we know. Have, we have a break together. Uh, well, let's way. do this. Let's here. Let, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna break, and then during the break, I'm gonna get all we'll the. Inf- what the hell we're doing? And I'm gonna get all the information about what you've been up to, where you're appearing, and everything. And then I'm gonna act like I just know it when we come back. Well, you know what we got to do is I I told you this uh, when I left you a message a couple days ago. Yeah. I need to know what we talked about last time because when I came in here, we just went. You were here for, for like, like three hours, and we just talked and talked and talked. I don't even know what we talked about. Well, let me tell you, what you talked about on the message you left me, and I was telling Sarah this this morning that. You, no offense, a lot of gas, a good thing, that's fine. You leave the longest freaking I do. messages. <laughs> I do. I, do will it, I hope you're not offended if I got about nine minutes into that and I was like, I'm going to listen to this later. <laughs> i got to go carb load before I can hear. So this is the message I get uh, from Gas. So he calls me and he, he leaves me this message. And he's so like, and i got to talk about this. I get this Gene Simmons roast and that was really good. And then also I did this whole thing with Tommy Lee and I kind of irritated everybody in the room. But then I was doing that show last year and I'm not sure if we talked about the show. But I came on and we had a great time and it was sort of all over the road. And I just have this vague memory of doing like a Paul Stanley thing. But also I was doing Lars Ulrich. And we took some calls, but I'm not really sure what ground we covered. And I got it. Yeah, totally. And it was just on and on and on. And, and, I, and then I left you. We played phone tag. I left you a message. And then I got another long-ass message. I was getting my hair cut yesterday. You left me this message while I was getting my hair cut. And he goes, hey, it's Craig Gass. So um, first I want to spend, and then the first part of yesterday's message, no lie, the first two minutes of your message yesterday is him apologizing for the previous message being too low energy. So it's too low energy. I had just walked into a Dunkin' Donuts, right. and everyone was staring at me. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I mean, come on, dude. You're a radio guy. You never get accused of being verbose. I do, all the time. All right. And the jackass. All right. And ugly. Uh, Take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Craig Gass. And I'm going to be hilarious when we come back. More hilarious. Even more Even hilarious. More. I've got stuff to say. Uh, later on, listener Sean's here with his top five. Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, more from Timmy Ryan and Craig Gass. When we return, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We're here with Craig Gass. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, yeah. Timmy Ryan in for Tim Riley. Man. Coming up later on, uh, today's top five, listener Sean will come in and count down his top five teenage moping songs. Craig Gass, you were yeah. a teenager in high school sitting around alone, bereft, unloved. What songs did you mope to? Uh, jeez. Well, that's the thing that I bonded with. I got your DVD you gave me last time, and I watched that, and I related to that whole thing of, like, connecting to music, and music takes you out of that situation, and you just go, like, wow, what is this? But I was also smoking a lot of uh, weed at the time, too, and I was really connected to, uh... But, I mean, you know, I listened to everything. I was listening to Motley Crue, Metallica... Um, I don't know what I really moped to. It was I mean, all Harry Chapin and like The Cure so far, <laughs> and it's all and occasionally well, Cinderella. Well, uh, what would happen is, well, actually, I dated a girl who actually told me that song by Cinderella makes me think of you, and I was like, wow, that's so sweet. And and uh, so I I put it on, you know, I got the tape, and I'm listening to this song, and then I hear, uh, I can't tell you, baby. 
Yeah. Wow. That makes you think of me. <laughs> Which, uh, I was just trying to picture you moping to Motley Crue, though. I don't, uh, really no, know, I don't know if I'd be moping. The only time I would mope, which was every couple of months, some girl would screw me over. I'd catch the girl I was dating uh, hooking up with some guy or catch her, like, in the mall holding some other dude's hand. Or uh, <laughs> And I would always resort to uh, Journey. Journey was a good one. Uh-huh. Um, Journey was good. Um, uh, I would just want to feel the pain. I remember, uh, speaking of Motley Crue, I remember being in high school and having the Girls, Girls, Girls record. And just I don't know some you know some girl that I would you know I would, I had a crush on her and she didn't know I existed or whatever like I mean, she was you know she didn't it wasn't even that she was rejecting me it's like she didn't like if you'd asked her who I was she was like I, does he go to school here I don't know and so I would sit in my room and I would mope to that song You're All I Need by Motley Crue and I remember telling somebody I'm like yeah when I put on that You're All I Need song that really says everything and then and then I discovered that that song is actually about a guy who kills his girlfriend and then puts her in a deep freezer so she can't date anybody else. Well, dude, everyone, so just, everybody comes up to Sting all the time and tells him uh, that song Every Breath You Take is our song that was our wedding song and he has always said like I don't know if people realize it's a song about a stalker. Right. Every breath you take, every move you make, I'm gonna be watching you. It's a it's a stalker. It's that it's from the point of view of a stalker, but. Uh, um, that's, you know, I mean, that's the great thing about music, man. Music can, uh, <laughs> can be so easily misunderstood. Dude, what was the guy's name from, uh, uh, The Who? Um, the guitarist of The Who? Pete uh, Townsend. Pete Townsend had, when he came out, and they were like, uh, he goes, yeah, I'm gay. Because I've said it several times, and he, and he said, man, listen to some of my songs. And while I'm hearing the story, that Kurt Loder's telling the story on MTV, in the background, they're playing, and I'm hearing the lyrics for the first time, I want a rough boy. Yeah. Under the sheets. <laughs> Where are you, rough boys? Out in the streets. I really need you. I want a rough boy. I mean, that it's like right there. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with Rob Halford. Yeah. I mean, you look back at Rob Halford. Dude. I mean, he's like he's a full-on. He's like the village people guy. Yeah. Full-on. Let him. I mean, don't go. I love Judas Priest. Rob Halford, great. What I mean, I don't really care. But it's that thing of like in the '80s, we just had such a. It was such a blind spot because it's like, and again, it's not like I, not like I think anybody even cared. Although we've, you know, we've grown, I think, more tolerant. But I mean, even then, it was just that we couldn't even conceive it. Right? Yeah. It's not like we didn't believe it. It's like it never even would have occurred. What do you mean? No, no, no. What do you mean? And do you know the Whenever, lyrics, guys? Dude, what are you talking about? When he came flying out, yeah. he said, "Look." He goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to believe that. The people on the stream will hear that. Uh, but no, but I congratulations, totally, people on the stream. But I thought, but he's out there looking like the, like the village people, dude. And he's, you know, and he's at one at some points like he's riding out on the stage, straddling the motorcycle yeah, yeah. and gyrating on top of it. And I, you look back and you go, "We were all really dumb." Yeah, I, I don't understand how we didn't. But um, well, so we were talking about this during the break. We were, what was the last time you you're here? And we've got an email response, and then I've got my response. This one says, "Rick, uh, one of our listeners in Colorado says, Rick, Craig wants to remember what you spent the last show on. It was three hours of Craig gas hitting on Sarah as Tracy Morgan. <laughs> I do oh, I remember that. I think I've Tracy Morgan is the perfect guy to hit on everything. No, I didn't say it. A black dude did. All right, let's see. I think I've got actually. I think, I think you I, do because you play. You've spent too life. much time on satellite radio. I have. Yes. Why? Because I just had to bleep that. I but I didn't even think that was that bad, dude. I say that on terrestrial radio all the time. Uh, all right, I'll watch myself. Wait, I'll we're more, myself. Sarah will tell you this after working Where's with me for many years. I am. I am very much erring on the side of caution. You're, you're censoring yourself. Yes. That's no, okay. Let me. This is this is a little bit of you last time, though. Hey, this is Tracy Morgan. You're listening to my favorite dude, Rick Emerson, right here on AM970. That's solid state radio. I don't think they play any music here, but I'll bring in some Shocker Call records. Sarah, you want to f***? 
That was not on the Here's air, by the, the way. Thing. Here's yeah. the thing about Tracy is that that is you can't control him. Tracy is out of his mind, and uh, I just uh, I've had so many crazy experiences with him. Did I ever tell you like some of the stories well, about? Well, no, and I was going to say like he. How many of the people like if you, you've met him? Obviously, everyone who I do an impression of wants to meet me. They all come out of the woodwork and they try to meet me somewhere. Do you ever get people who are they're like, I don't sound like that at all? Well, that's the weird thing. Like uh, you know, and that's an interesting uh, on the TV show uh, Las Vegas. Uh, my partner on the show was uh, Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. and he'd always come over and want to hear my impressions, and he'd always, uh, can I hear some of your Al Pacino? I want to hear some of your Al Pacino. <laughs> I love when you do Al Pacino, and I do my Al Pacino from, and I'd have him do his Tony Bennett. Right. Because Alec Baldwin does a spot on. You ever heard Alec Baldwin do no. Tony Bennett? It's one of those, like, what the hell does Tony Bennett sound like? And hear him do it. And he's got this really glossy eyed. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I used to date Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was a real foxy lady. I once made love to Marilyn for up to 12 hours till the paramedics came along and said, Tony, she's gone. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe had some really beautiful feet. I once made love to a foot for up to 12 hours. Till some people came along and said, Tony, Madame Tussauds is closed. You've got to go. <laughs> so this is, wait, so you are talking to, so I'm just, in my head, it's like you as Alec Baldwin talking to Alec Baldwin, who's talking as Tony Bennett. Yeah, and then he, but he asked me, he said, do you ever do your impressions for the people you do the voices of? Do you ever walk up to somebody and do your impressions for them? And I said, yeah, I actually have had people come up to me and say, uh, you know, hey, do your impression of me, and they're really excited to meet me, but then when I do the impression for them, then they feel weird, and Baldwin goes, it's because you take a part of their soul. <laughs> what? Is he is he menacing in person? Like, is there a little undercurrent of, like, there's more to me than, you know, I can't do the voice, but I mean, but he has that, like, that understated, like, I could kill you if I really wanted to. Well, he was really charismatic. Every guy and every girl on the set wanted to be close to him, but what was weird is that you know, I'd be hanging out with the crew guys, right. you know, guys who were working on the set and be telling jokes all the time. And then Alec would just walk over and be like, do you mind if I listen? Are you guys doing jokes? Are you telling stories? Can I share a story? So we'd be like, uh, sure, Alec. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> and he'd start talking and you were like kind of wrapped up in his Baldwin-esque-ness, you know. And uh, he told me a story. Didn't they tell you the story about how him and Al Pacino almost got in a fist fight? Uh, I think maybe. It's all it's all one big blur. Did you do like an elevator? Yes. And they almost got in a fist fight on the elevator. And it was this crazy, crazy story. But, uh, but going back to uh, the impressions that I do of people... They they want to hear it, and then they feel weird when I do it to their face. Like, they'll seek me right, out, right. and then I understand you do an impression of me. Um, when we did Gene Simmons' roast, I prank-called Al Pacino before the roast, and we filmed it. And, uh, and you know, even though he, he likes the impression, it's it oh, it makes him feel weird. Um, when I uh, opened for Metallica, I did a Lars impression opening for Metallica, and uh, his manager afterwards was like, Lars, this guy sounds just like you when he does that impression. And Lars goes, man, I just, um, I think it sounds kind of weird when he talks like me. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I sound like I'm always stuffed up like that. He makes it sound like I'm always on coke. Huh? Yeah. You know, here's the thing, not to be, uh, as Paul Thomas Anderson would say, just waxing your car, but the thing about you is you, you pick up on... You you do like you know some of the broad strokes that you need to do, but you find the tiny stuff too. And I, you can't see this uh, on the radio, obviously. But you're doing that 
backward wave of the hand that he does constantly. And he always gets up in your face, and he's always kind of contemplating while always sniffling and, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, here, you, you just reminded me of something. I have like, this is how my brain works. I have this sort of Rube Goldberg thing in my brain where thought A triggers thought B, and then like thought Z is a million miles away, but in my head it all makes sense. Here's what I was just thinking of. You <laughs> talking about doing Lars Ulrich reminded me of, because you do a, a, a great Kinnison, which we'll have you doing here in a second, but I remember reading in Bill Kinnison's book, uh, his book Brother Sam, which Bill Kinnison yeah, yeah, wrote yeah. about Sam. They're making a movie. Are they really? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but Bill said that, you know, that when he, later in his career, you know, it, it, Sam would be sleeping it off or he'd be off with some stripper somewhere and they couldn't find him. And Bill has a voice that was pretty similar to Sam. And Bill, you know, said that, look, sometimes Sam would, wouldn't show up and he'd have a radio interview scheduled. He's like, so I would get on and talk to the DJ. And he's like, to this day, there's DJs who think they interviewed Kinnison yes. or Sam, but it was really me. And so I was thinking about this. Here's what a guy, uh, like you, there's some guy who ought to make a lot of money on the side doing this. You rent yourself out. To just like regular folks who like need to report in for work or need to call in sick or something, but like you, you, you like you get the voice down and you record like I'm not gonna be in. I've got the <laughs> or some guy or some guy wants to telecommute like work from home, but he really wants to go off to uh you know he wants to go off to like to Maui for th for three weeks. Yeah. Like you record in advance all of his. This is me checking in from home. I'm working on those actuarial tables and the uh, spreadsheet. And uh, I want to let you know, I think gross uh, profit is going to be up in our net as well by about 5%. Look, i got to run. I'm real busy. I'm, I'm doing all this math over here at my house for the company. And then meanwhile, he's gone, but it's like you. I could make $12 million off of Tracy Morgan alone for all the trouble that he gets into. Dude, let me, uh, the first time I met Tracy Morgan, who's out of his mind, he's crazy. The guys, I used to write for Weekend Update, Saturday Night Live. Right. So I would go up there on Saturday nights. It didn't uh, afford me the ability to go up there on Saturday nights, but I would. I was just a contributing writer, and um, and I'd watch a show. And one night I was up there, and I saw Tracy in the hallways. And uh, my first encounter with Tracy, I have you ever had him on the show? No. No. I go, uh, I go, Tracy. Hey, man, what's going on? I go, uh, uh, I'm a comedian. My name's Craig, and I write for Colin down the hall. I just want to tell you, dude, I think you are the funniest guy on the show. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's crazy. You you comedian? You stand-up comedian? You should open up for me sometime. And I was like, I'd love to open up for you, man, anytime. He's like, what are you doing next Friday? And I go, next Friday? Yeah, next Friday. And I was like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm nothing. Why? And he goes, open up for me on Friday. I'll be in New York Comedy Club. You go down and do 10 minutes. And I was like, wow. I was so fired up. Back then, I had nothing going on in my life. So I had planned my whole week around doing this show, opening for Tracy Morgan. So I go and do the show. And after the show, Tracy's at the bar. And Tracy waves me up and goes, Crack! What you drinking? And I go, oh, uh, can I have a Corona? He goes, yeah, you got a Corona. So how you like this? And I go, like, what, this comedy club? He goes, no, how you like comedy? And I go, oh, I'm... Head over heels in love with comedy. I love comedy. He goes, yeah, you gotta be like Bruce Lee in the six-foot kick. And I go, the what? And he goes, you don't know about Bruce Lee and the six-foot kick? They say when Bruce Lee kick you, you go back six feet. Mm -hmm. That's why when people are like, Tracy, how you living? I'm like, I'm six-foot kicking it. You got a six-foot kick your way through life. That's the way you got to approach life. And he got nose-to-nose -nose with me, and spit was flying out of his mouth into my eyeball. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and a couple weeks later, I mentioned it to a friend of mine, Kurt Metzger, who's a comedian. He's about to come out with his first Comedy Central special, but at the time, he was writing for The Chappelle Show. And I go, and I tell him the story, and he goes, dude... I was in a car with Tracy last week. We're on the West Side Highway, and I'm in the passenger seat, and I go, oh, dude, um, Tracy, uh, I don't know if I told you that the Chappelle Show is getting picked up for a second season, so 
That's cool. You know, a little extra money for me. And he said, Tracy looked at him and just got pissed and went, damn, Kurt! And he slammed the brakes, pulled the car on the side of the road, and he's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What are we in right now, Kurt? What are we in? And he goes, uh, car? No, we in show business, Kurt. We in show business. How many letters in the word show? And he goes, four. How many letters in the word business? Uh, eight? Don't you forget that, Kurt. And he got back on the road. He goes, what the hell? What, the, what just happened? I don't even know. And that's that's Tracy. The last time I saw him, oh, I can't even tell that story. Well, did you, that's filthy. Did you ever meet guys like that, though, where you read about guys that, and you just wonder to yourself, like, how did you ever have it together enough to become famous? That's what I every think, comedian... Well, he's kind of insane. Oh, I th- you know, Dude, Tina Fey, here's the story. Tina Fey put together the show 30 Rock and had an idea about Tracy Morgan being on the show. And she basically pitched him an idea about himself. She said, I got this idea. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of behind the scenes of a sitcom. And one of the stars on the show is crazy, crazy, crazy guy. No one even knows how he has a job. He's just crazy. But uh, it's kind of behind the scenes where you get to see the crazy part because people that watch him on TV don't know how crazy he is. And she's like, yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I'm a Jedi. Mm-hmm. I'm personal friends with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they go, all right, well, we'll get you on the show. With it. I think about that with Andy Dick sometimes. I look at Andy Dick, who just seems like a... I mean, that's not a put-on. I mean, that's a, he just seems like a nutcase. And you think, like, how... Like, I know guys, as you, you, who are out there either trying to act or comedy or both, and just, like, nose to the grinds every day. They're pounding the pavement. They're oh, working. Yeah. They're making... And then Andy Dick, who just seems... I mean, it's like his brain has just been replaced with with Folgers crystals or something. Yeah. And yet, you know, yet he continues to be famous. I, yeah, I don't get it either. To me. But then there's people that you admire who are who are kind of whacked on the other side. Like Gene Simmons is a guy who is, uh, you know, he's got his stuff together. He's not on drugs. He's right. never done any drugs. Right. But he's whacked out of his mind because he's just out Cause of his, and because of his ego. He's the god of thunder. He's so wrapped up in himself as being Gene Simmons from Kiss. He's just he is. Um, uh, I did a show. I this is kind of crazy, but a couple weeks ago I opened for Poison in Las really? Vegas. I did a, uh, one of the opening acts was Sebastian Bach, and Sebastian told me a story about uh, going. G- he he got involved in a movie that Gene did, and Gene didn't pay him. He said, I, "There's there's no money, there's no." And Gene wanted me to do his TV show for no pay, and I said no. But he he got Sebastian Bach to do this thing, and Sebastian said, "I'll do it under one condition," because Sebastian Bach is a huge Kiss fan. He said, "I want to be able to come to your house, and I want to see all the Kiss stuff at your house." And Gene said, "Of course, Sebastian, you absolutely." And he told me, I don't even know if I can tell this on the air if I'm supposed to be, but he goes to Gene's house. Gene is uh, taking him through the little Kiss Museum part right. of his uh, of his house, and Gene says, uh, "You know," and he goes, "Oh, and here's the original costume. Here's you know," and Sebastian's just foaming at the mouth, and there's a bag of brand new 100 uh, cell phone covers, Kiss cell phone covers. And it's in this plastic bag, and, and Sebastian's like, what's that? And he goes, oh, we just got this in. Brand new Kiss cell phone covers. And he goes, dude, can I have one of those? And Gene goes, Sebastian, I can't. If you want one, go to KissOnline.com. <laughs> he actually told Sebastian yeah. in his house to go to KissOnline.com. And Sebastian's like, dude, just you got a hundred of these. Let me have one. And he goes, Sebastian, please, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. But go to KissOnline.com. And Sebastian goes, how much are you selling them for? And he goes, we're selling them for $18. He goes, look. Sebastian reaches in his pocket, pulls out a 20, goes, here's 20 bucks. Just let me take one. And he goes, Sebastian, I can't take your money. I can't. But if you go to GitHub.com, <laughs> and he won't, it's the weirdest story of all time. And, you know, my impression of Gene and Paul Stanley, 
got me that gig on the uh, Gene Simmons roast. So when you were here last time, I think you either were about to tape it or you taped it, but it hadn't aired. We hadn't seen it anyway. It hadn't been on. It hadn't been on TV. I think I was about to tape I it. I think I... you were about to do it, um, and you told. I can't remember if this is. I can't remember if this is on the air or not. Um, you told a story about leaving a message for. God, I'm trying to make sure I don't mangle this. I think you told us a story about leaving a message for somebody. And they weren't in on the joke, or you were leaving a message as somebody. And was it for Lars? Somebody, but you made you made the joke about uh, Paul Stanley breaking his hip. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was Jim Norton made the joke. Okay, there's a couple. First of all, it was Jeff Ross, Jim Norton, Lisa Lampanelli, Andrew Dice Clay, right. uh, Paul Mooney, Paul Rodriguez, uh, a couple other guys, uh, and me. And um, the first thing is they included a couple of wild cards. You always have someone like Courtney Love on the dais that is just right. whacked out of her skull, so you can take some easy like uh, jabs on somebody. Um, for our roast, it was Danny Bonaducci uh, and Stevo from Jackass. Right. Stevo from Jackass got so hammered that on the roast you see him getting thrown out, but they never explain why he got thrown out of the roast. And I'm the only person who has the evidence of why he got thrown out. And I was actually offered money from TMZ for this picture. And it's on my MySpace page right now. If you go to MySpace.com slash Craig Gas, it's Craig with a C, C-R-A-I-G, last name is Gas, G-A-S-S. And on the default picture, you will see the picture um, of Steve-O relieving himself. Ugh. On Danny Bonaduce. No, that's not right. I don't yeah. want to see that. And yet, here I am going to see it right now. <laughs> hey. Danny Bonaduce, who had no idea. He doesn't look like he has a really good sense of humor either. About <laughs> Danny Bonaduce seems like a guy who'd kill you if yeah. you got him Danny on Danny Bonaduce, surprisingly, in the background, you can see Ralphie May laughing his ass off in the background of the picture. And uh, and right as I snap the picture, Ralphie goes, hey, dude, I think that guy's picking on you. And Danny goes, what? Hey, what? What? And he stood up, and I was really surprised. He composed himself, and he said, not today. Not today. <laughs> Which is a weird thing to say when someone's just relieved themselves on you. Because, like, not today, does that mean on Fridays you'll normally pay for that? Today's a no-kill day. <laughs> yeah, today's a... Uh, and he walks over to a bouncer and he goes, um, that guy just relieved himself on me and I want him out here. And the, and the bouncer walked oh, over. Oh, wow. A bouncer walked over to Steve-O and goes, Steve-O, hey, dude, you want to go outside for a smoke? And I'm he goes, go. yeah, dude. <laughs> and they grab him and they take him outside, close the door, and he's gone. <laughs> gone you never forever. see him again. Jesus. Gone forever, and uh, but yeah, he relieved himself on Danny Bonaduce. It was amazing. But during the roast, there's a couple jokes that got edited out that were phenomenal. Um, and one of them was Jim Norton said, um, uh, you know, uh, Paul Stanley wanted to be here, but as many of you know, uh, Paul Stanley couldn't make it. Uh, Paul is actually having hip replacement surgery. Uh, Paul actually broke his hip falling out of the closet. And Gene <laughs> grabbed his arm and said, you know, he's not a homosexual. He's not really gay. He's not. He goes, I don't care. Shut up. This is a rose. You're a disgrace. Shut your mouth. We, they edited out every joke we made about Gene's hair. Really? Every joke we made about Gene's hair, they cut out. Which was insane. They said, say whatever you want. We'll, we'll edit it out in post. But, you know. Which is weird because in that Family Jewels show, they've done the whole thing of showing him bald. Uh-huh. Have you seen Gene bald? Anybody no. here? No. Dude, he it's bald, bad. Like... No, he looks badass. Are you kidding? I didn't. I, I thought that he looked. His head looked misshapen. Well, I'll say this. He looks a lot better bald than he does with the wig. So, I mean, and it's not. I mean, it's not. So is secret. he really bald? Well, I'll tell you this. He I, head, right? I saw a photo, and it's clearly real because it was a candid shot. Well, back up. First of all. Um, I know somebody. I won't. I won't say who this is. Although, His name's Tommy Thayer. Um, uh, well, it's actually not Tommy Thayer. Um, surprisingly enough, it's not. Um, okay. All right. But uh, w- there's somebody I know, and people who are 
people who've been listening to the show for a long time or know a lot about Portland musicians will probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, I know somebody who played at the Detroit Rock City movie premiere. Okay. And the premiere for that, there was a lot of bands from the soundtrack who played there. Right. And one of those bands is Kiss, who I think closed it out and played a few songs. So I know a guy who's there with his band, and they're, you know, whatever, they're, they're playing, they're rehearsing, sound checking. And Paul and Gene are there. And this guy's a huge Kiss fan. And again, I, and I say this, you know, it doesn't matter to me. He's Gene Simmons. I'm not whatever. Um, you know, I, I had hair transplant. Everybody knows that. Not a secret. So it doesn't matter. I'm, you know, whatever. But Gene is over there. And Gene and Paul got their baseball caps on. And they're like checking the tuning or whatever it is they do. Yeah. And this guy said at one point, like, Gene, Gene, like, lifted up the baseball cap. You know, to like whatever, and the hair just sort of came with it. Like, no. like the wig had sort of, the wig had sort of somehow wedged itself into the cap, and he went to adjust the baseball cap, and the hair just went right with it. And she was like, I had to avert my eyes. Oh to my avoid ruining God. my childhood, I had to look away. Wow. But, okay, but then last year, there's this photo that came out, and it was Gene in, you know, some, whatever, his black luxury car, and Shannon Tweed's in the passenger seat, and it was Gene driving down some street in Hollywood, sunglasses, Black shirt, I think a black jacket over it, total Mr. Clean. Yeah. Hair gone. And you know what? I, I couldn't tell if his head was misshapen from this angle, but he looked pretty badass. Yeah. Like, way more than having the, the, the weave, you know, the, the wig, which, you know. The wig is awful. I mean, it's if just... it is wig, I don't know. I mean, I made jokes about it. I said, uh, you know, uh, Lisa Lampanelli opened her set. They cut this joke right out. Lisa Lampanelli walks to the microphone. Lisa Lampanelli, who's known for being really brutal, right. really below the belt, her first words out of her mouth, she said, Gene Simmons, I've seen better rugs in rapist vans. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and uh, I made jokes about, uh, I said, uh, a series of old school. I wasn't mean. Right. I uh, I just talked about how much he gets laid, which what guy doesn't want to hear? Like, oh, you get laid so right, much. Right. you know. And I said, uh, Gene uh, actually claims to have slept with over 4,000 women and never wrote a song about it because uh, nothing rhymes with gonorrhea. Gene, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that uh, you invented everything in rock and roll, but every time somebody gets herpes, Gene actually gets airline miles. <laughs> so I, I was very playful with it. And then they cut out these jokes that I did where I said, Gene Simmons is so cheap. How cheap? busy uh he bangs fat chicks for the food uh gene simmons is so cheap how cheap is he instead of paying for a wig he shaves paul stanley's ass and glues the hair to his head and then gene was laughing and i looked at him and i started laughing and i just blurted out what the hell is on your head <laughs> you've got the most hair i've ever seen on a bald guy and he had a great sense of humor about it they also cut out a story that i told which exemplified how great of a sense of humor Gene has about himself. The guy who taught me how to do the Gene Simmons impression is a guy named John Bianelli. Uh, he works for the band Aerosmith. Right. And uh, every time we call each other, we always call each other as Gene. He'll pick up the phone and I'll go, Hi, John, this is Gene Simmons from KISS. And he'll go, Hey, Gene, what's up? Not much. Listen, if you go to KISSonline.com, we've got some amazing new products, and then we'll sell each other fake KISS products. And that's how we communicate with right. each other every time we talk on the phone. Well... A couple years ago, Aerosmith and Kiss toured together. They put a tour together, and John got a phone call from the real Gene Simmons. He picks up the phone, and he hears, Hi, John, this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And he goes, Hey, Gene, what's up, you cheap Jew? And there's a long pause. <laughs> and he just hears, I'm sorry. Oh. And there's another long pause, and John goes, Craig? <laughs> and there's another long pause, and he goes, No, this isn't Craig Gass. This is Gene Simmons oh, wow. from Kiss. Listen, 
I need you to get a hold of Stephen and Joe. And he went right into his question. It didn't even bat an eye at him calling him a cheap Jew. So Gene has a great sense of humor. Uh, here with Craig Gass. Um, so you're going to be, let me do this while I'm thinking about it, uh, this Friday and Saturday, you're going to be at the back alley in Vancouver. I'm coming back for two shows a night this time, Friday and Saturday night. We ended up selling out the shows, and we had to, like, start the shows early and let the crowd that was waiting outside right. come in and do a second show. So uh, it's at the back alley in Vancouver, and uh, we'll have more ticket information. The tickets are going to be on sale online. They have the information at Back Alley Nightclub, but it's going to be Vancouver, Friday and Saturday night, two shows each night. I'm going to be doing all the material you didn't get to hear on the Gene Simmons roast, as well as stuff that you'll never even come close to seeing on the roast that I just did at Tommy Lee. So we're going to talk about that. When we come back, here's what we're going to do on KCMD Portland. Uh, when we return, we'll do some news with Timmy Ryan. Uh, we will have uh, uh, listener Sean come in and count down his top five teenage mm -hmm. moping songs. It's Sex with Sarah. Yes. Also that. Uh, with that to Craig Gass about the Tommy Lee roast, all kinds of other stuff. Hang tight. Sex with Rick. That's crazy. We'll be back in a moment. It's the Rick Everson <laughs> radio program. Stay right there. We return around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's already 205, 209. Jesus, where's the day gone? It's madness. All right. Richie Bristol, can you come in the studio for a moment? You should have him sing the song he was singing to everybody oh, in the God. hallway. We didn't even get a chance to talk about that. You have a chance to talk about Richie Bristol's drag queen auditions. Uh, we're here with uh, comedian uh, and uh, impressionist extraordinaire Craig Gass. In a moment, listener Sean is going to join us. Richie Bristol, will you walk this way, please? I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to pick on you. I, I really, and I don't mean this in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. Uh, we, I think it is great that you have quit smoking. Five days. Well done. Can we all, you know, Richie, big ups, yes? Good job, Richie. Good job, Richie. Congratulations. There you go. And I, and I don't mean that in a snarky way. Quitting smoking is one of the best things you can do, so I am proud well, of you. I know you. where this is going. Uh-oh. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm looking at this at listener Sean's top five. You see my problem. So I got six, five, four, three, two honorable mention, but I got, mm -hmm. w what is this? What is six if that's the honorable naming. mention? I uploaded it and now I'm naming them. But I'm... Okay, so they will look, because I don't By know what time you get to number one, number six will be number one. Okay, so it's honorable mention, five, four, three, two, six, basically. Yeah, well, I'm going to make it number one. Okay. As I go back over there. All right. Are you chewing nicotine gum? Right. I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm no, trying to accommodate I'm your. Chewing uh, orbits. I'm trying to accommodate your your challenging day, Richie. All right, my legs and butt hurt because I was in heels all day. Your legs. Hey oh! Wait, you can't just say that. All right, okay. Richie, on your way out. We're gonna deal with Fine. this really quick. Uh, we're gonna talk to him. Okay, here's what we gotta do. This my ass hurt. This is. This is where you. This is where I need you. For the love of God, I need you to produce. Uh, this is where you have to really help me out. So we got uh, headlines. You we got a little frenzied, darling. I just did uh, not a lot, to, not a lot of time, a lot to get done, and I can't think clearly. But you are always like the objective voice of like efficiency. Help, Sarah. Headlines: <laughs> Top five: Gas, Richie. Yeah, yeah, have a break, and then and then more Richie. And... All right. So what should we do right now? Headlines? Yeah, let's go to Timmy Ryan. Right, do he some has, news? He's done like what, like one news story? All I think I've done like four. Yeah, but I had to believe you like <laughs> twice in the first hour. So. <laughs> Seriously, can I just say this? It, it, Timmy Ryan is the newsman in the first hour of this program. I think it was, called for the beating of someone. <laughs> Seriously. 
as to death, I as his news di- in his news director role because today he is not the you know he's not here as himself he's filling in for our news director so in his role as news director earlier today it, Timmy Ryan called for the beating of someone I who know. I believe has not been convicted of any crime so he is considered a suspect though very Fox News of you. Anywho, all right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Timmy Ryan. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Okay, I actually have real news here in a second, but we were talking about Billy Ray Cyrus earlier. Yes, we were. And, uh, you know, he's going to be performing here in Portland as part of a KUPL event, don't you? Is that public knowledge? Yeah, yeah, now it is. It's on the, uh, well, it's on the couple websites. I I had heard that, but I thought it was, yeah, I didn't know if it was uh, public knowledge. I'll read this off the uh, KUPL.com website which you can go to the couple acoustic concert series continues join us as uh billy ray cyrus appears at bushwhackers now here's a i'm sorry now please here's bushwhackers. a and here's a uh, a silly question yeah because everybody's thinking this and you know couple our sister station we uh you know we obviously believe in the all rowing in the same direction here. i work on there from time to time i'm a company man and all that so when billy ray cyrus comes to town does he sing the song does he sing Anky Breaky Heart? Of course he does. I think he has to. He I mean, has to. No, I mean, this is going to be wrong. I think that's great. I think he gets a bad rap for that song. So, you know, I just want to see. Because you know how, like, for a long time, Vanilla Ice wouldn't embrace Ice Ice Baby. He wouldn't sing it, wouldn't perform it, didn't want to talk about it. But then eventually he, he kind of came to peace with the, you know, that that song was loved by a lot of people. He, re- he realized. Katie Lane had a problem with Heaven and, uh, you know. Well, Van- and those gay songs. Vanilla Ice realized he can make twenty grand a night playing exactly. small clubs, just singing that one song. It, you know what? He put on a. He once he embraced that. We brought Vanilla Ice to town, and he was he put on a hell of a show. He really did. Uh, in two thousand seven, he was it was really an exceptional uh, uh, show that he put on. So. He would probably close with it. I imagine I, that would be a closing. He, he song. didn't, man. He did it like the great thing about Vanilla Ice was he did it like three songs in. Damn, and really? Balls, man. He came out, and, and I and I mean this sincerely. He put on a great show. He had a live drummer. Um, he had a guy doing some turntables, I think a few samples, but a live drummer and no backing track, no vocal backing track. Uh, we are like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, a piece of pop culture right in front of your eyes. Give it up. Vanilla Ice. He came out and he, you know, went into some song or whatever, but he did all the ones you want to hear. He did uh, Stop That Train. He did Ice Ice Baby. He did Play That Funky Music. He did the, the Ninja Rap from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And you know, and he sold it. He was not phoning it in. And he did Ice Ice Baby like in the first 20 minutes. Well, see, they're no. working at 7-Eleven. Did, no. did he do the rap version or the heavy metal version? No, of he did the ice, ra- ice. I thought he was going to do the heavy metal version, but he did the, he did the regular really? rap version. Wow. He, I think he's kind of come to terms with like, look, I, as, as Timmy said, look, I can make 20 grand a night doing this and it's better than working on a road crew. But then yeah. like two months later, he was arrested for beating his wife. Yeah, so... Anyway, yeah. uh, he was at peace for a little while. Billy Ray Cyrus will be at Bushwhackers October 30th. Excellent. Go to couple.com, find out how you can get your tickets. All right, then. All right. Now, that news? Do we have actual news? <laughs> yes. That wasn't actual news. Promoting that was a, right. that no, was no, a we were talking about Billy Ray Cyrus earlier. I'm like, hey, I have Billy Ray Cyrus news I can talk about now because it's on the website. Moving forward. Another news, Donnie and Marie are going to be featured on Entertainment Tonight. Tonight. You know, she shares a, uh, Marie shares a birthday with Sarah Dillon. Really? Yeah. How old would you think Marie Osmond is? Uh, 56. See, 49. I think no she's shaving, way. but even then, 52, yeah, I think. I'd she's say. shaving. She looks she's, pretty good. She's definitely shaving. I'm just going to say that's the only time you'll ever hear that. Marie Osmond <laughs> is definitely shaving. Timmy Ryan. Okay. So we were talking about this during the break. I think this might cause some trouble for Barack Obama. Okay. Barack Obama told a tax burden plumber over the weekend that his economic philosophy is to, quote, spread the wealth around it. A comment that may only draw fire from the wild of John McCain supporters who have been taken to calling Obama a socialist at 
the Republicans rally. Well, that's just stupid. Like, uh, I don't understand why that's like. Big what big. is the problem? Okay, I'm, I'm well. You know, I'm going to explain this to you. Okay. Politically speaking, what is the problem? With well, that? you know, I mean, I'm not talking about your views on the economy, but I mean, in terms of winning the election, I will. Ex- I will explain this. Enlighten me. All right, I'll explain basically what happened. All right. Uh, so the plumber. Wait. Hold on, the, the plumber. You read the story. Hmm? Yeah, I mean, I heard, but I'm, I guess oh. what I'm saying, like, like in terms of winning an election, like, who what, cares? Why is it a big deal? Well, because I mean, look, I mean, you kind of have polar opposites. You have, you know, like every election, it's going to be X mount's going to vote for the left, X mount's going to vote for the right. right. It's really going to be the people down the middle. The people down the middle right now are kind of saying, eh, well, who's going to get us out of the the bind we're in, more or less? Right. right. But uh, I mean, but, right. So, and I think basically, you know, I, I don't think people that are independents are necessarily. Keen to the socialist ideas, so that might sway them more in the direction. I, I think of John somebody McCain. who's in a financial bind has no problem with spreading it around because mm-hmm. most voters don't. Most voters don't have much. I mean, yeah. that's the thing: is the vast amount of America is not rich. So I think the word socialist. I think basically socialist ideas are when somebody's you know branded socialist. I think that's always. But, only, but you're only. But you're it doesn't say that you're only. Story, you're the only you. one doing it. You're doing it right here. It doesn't say that anywhere in the article. Well, I know, but the whole idea of spreading the wealth around, basically taking somebody who's made money and giving it to everybody else, that's socialist. You know, John McCain. But John McCain's party just did that with seven hundred billion of our no, dollars. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just. And that wasn't spreading it around. That was taking it and giving it to one small group of people. Yeah, and, and no I spreading think, there. And I think the average voter is not educated yes and uh, about what's going on and uh, so the average voter hears that and that's me and if, I, if I was unless something major happens if i'm obama right now it's kind of like when you know you've won the well, fight. you gotta run out the clock right you run exactly the clock. it's yeah. like yep. it's like the 11th you know it's like the 11th round out of 12 you just want to stay away from the opponent not let him really take any punches at you and you know don't don't take any punches at him and just kind of win no i can i'm with you on that i just i think if you are in the middle right now if you are undecided and i don't mean if you're apathetic i mean a lot of people are like screw it voting doesn't matter whatever that's apathy if you are not apathetic, if you are undecided, I mean, in other words, if you look at, for example, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and then Sarah Palin or John McCain, if you are interested but undecided, I think you're probably not that bright. And so, really, none of these things are really going to have any difference. I mean, really, if you're looking to go, I don't know, Sarah Palin, Barack Obama, they seem so similar in every way. I can't quite put, there's no difference. You're just dense. I mean, you're just dumb, and there's no cure. My dad used to say, no cure and stupid, son. So well, I'm undecided because I don't like anybody. I don't like either. Of the but candidates. that's not. But that's not being undecided. That's just being nihilistic. There's a difference. Okay. I mean, so if you are undecided, that's why I said Sarah Palin. What's well, like everybody says in every election? It's a lesser of two evils. Right. As somebody, uh, I have a friend of mine who has this whole. He has the picture of the demon Cthulhu. He's like, vote for Cthulhu. Why vote for the lesser of two evils? <laughs> All right, let's do a couple more here, and then we'll bring listener Sean in. Let's do yeah. a Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Here's Timmy Ryan with your Geek Watch for Monday. All right. I pulled this out of the pile of geek watches that you told me to pull from, so hopefully this has not been used. Uh, Facebook profiles can tell you more than just people's birthdays and what movies they like. They can reveal the self-adoring, a new study suggests. Researchers at the University of Georgia gave personality questionnaires to nearly 130 Facebook users and then analyzed the content of their online profiles. They also had untrained observers look at the profiles and rate how narcissistic or excessively egotistical the owners of the profiles were. The results of the study are detailed in the October issue of the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin. 
The researchers found that the number of friends and wall posts that a person had on the profile correlated with how narcissistic they were. Study leader Laura Buffardi, a Ph.D. student in psychology, said this is similar to how narcissists behave, narcissists, narcissists behave in the real world, like forming numerous but shallow relations with others. Well, you know, it's fun. I was actually just, uh, just by sure coincidence, my wife and I were talking about this this weekend because I don't have a Facebook. You know, I got the, the MySpace. Do you have a it's Facebook still account? Uh, I don't have the. Well, I, I signed up for a Facebook, but I haven't done anything with yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. I think somebody has a show, like a fan has like a show Facebook thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, fans of the Rick Emerson show. But I only have the MySpace. But my wife, I went home, uh, was it Saturday? Saturday night, something like that? I went home and my wife is in the office and she's like, click, 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 click. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, and my wife is she has never had MySpace and she's resisted. I go Saturday night, my wife is in the office clicking away and I go, What's up? What are you doing? She's like, Nothing. And I said, what okay, should I leave? Is this a steamy correspondence of some kind? Like uh like getting it on with some guy pretending he's like a quarterback? What she goes, I got a Facebook account. Just leave me alone. <laughs> like she finally just buckled. Leave me alone. No, she was just she because she knew that I was just gonna. Because I told her I'm like resist, man, because it sucks all of your time. Yep. And you know, especially when you first get Facebook, MySpace, it, it just like it, you just are compulsive about it. Like, you're checking mm-hmm. it constantly, of and course. then you take everything personally. They rejected my request, so she finally got a Facebook account. So that was Saturday. Last night she's checking it, of course, before she goes to bed, like the last thing, and she's like, Oh my God, some guy that I haven't seen since third grade just asked me to be my friend. Why did I do this? And I'm like, maybe I told you. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do a... with it. Like, I keep getting messages from, like, people I went to high school with who don't have, I guess, MySpace profiles with right. Facebook. And I don't know. I don't even know how to check my friends, like, how to approve. It somebody. seems a little difficult. And the interesting thing about Facebook is how they've marketed it so well because I asked my wife. I'm like, okay, fine. You want to be on the so- social network. You know, why Facebook, not MySpace? And she said, well, you know, I think MySpace is for kids and Facebook is for adults. And I said, why do you think that? Something I read. So that is clearly how they've marketed themselves. Have you had anybody try to correspond with you, though, that used to be a dick to you, and now, since you have a name for yourself, are trying to be your buddy? Um, I don't know, but I, I've gotten... Yes. I would say for sure. Every girl that I, like, got screwed over by has yeah. tried to contact yeah. me. Are you... Like, elementary school up to. I always knew we had a special connection, Craig, so... Um... <laughs> oh, you guys are kindred. If you don't remember, this is LaShonda. Uh, you should... Uh... <laughs> I mean, maybe you're coming through town. I mean, I... Uh... Dude, there was a girl <laughs> that, like, was, like, my first girlfriend in sixth grade who, after we broke up, would not acknowledge me for the next six years throughout junior high and high school, and then email me after she saw me on something Uh and said, uh, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you, and blah, blah, blah. Hey, I'm coming to New York, you know, um, and my friends don't believe that I know you. Do you want to get together with us? And and I go, and I was so kind of curious. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to check that out. So... Uh, we meet up in Times Square, and then uh, her friends are like, oh, my God, and they're asking me questions about Sex in the City and about Saturday Night Live, uh, which I was still writing for at the time. And then um, we go out into Times Square, and this girl, Jennifer, says, uh, hey, can we get a picture? And I go, uh, sure. And she goes, okay, because none of my friends believe that I know you, and I want to prove to them that we're actually friends. And I'm like, okay, I haven't talked to this girl in, like, 20 years. And I'm like, all right. So we take the picture, and someone grabs the camera and goes, all right, say cheese. And there's four, five of us. Uh, Taking a group picture. One, two, th- and when he said three, a crackhead jumped on top of Jennifer and went, Yeah, what's up? And she went, Oh my God! And they took the picture. The picture comes out perfect. All of us, including the crackhead, are smiling at the camera. <laughs> Jennifer is looking at the crackhead going, Oh my God! So it's a perfect picture. You know what you should do? The next time is some girl who is, uh, you know, like a, a jerk to you or some guy who is an ass wants to, like, buddy up, get his phone number. Call him, and then call him as him in sixth grade. 
when he answers the phone, hi, this is Ted. Hi, this is Ted. I'm going to shove you into a locker now. Does that sound familiar, Ted? Huh? Just totally call him as him when he was an ass. All right. Hey, Richard, can we bring listener Sean in here? And um, we will have uh, Sean count down his top five teenage moping songs. All right. So uh, we've been doing this for the last a few weeks. We're going to do uh, this is a second to last because we... There's like a one-off. You've been doing a countdown for a few weeks of moping songs. It was kind of a one-off thing because we do these oh, top, yeah. we do these top five segments where it's like top five guitar solos or top five like top five uh, songs that get stuck in your head. Okay. We, we've done like uh, and we just we just randomly came up with the idea. I think I wanted to play one song and then we kind of it was so wait, one is this day. listener Sean. This is listener Sean. Just Sean? walked in with a Great duffel guess. bag. Yes. Anybody check his duffel bag? <laughs> Usually just hey, drugs Sean. and explosions. How are you? I'm Craig. I'm a comedian. Hey Craig. How are you? Nice to meet you. Good. So we've done you know we've done all kinds of, like top five songs you hear playing in an elevator. You know all top right. five songs coming out of a Camaro. All right. So this one day. I came and I was talking to Sharon. I'm like, I don't know what the top five should be today. We've kind of done, you know, top five overrated, top five best, top five loudest. I go, what kind of songs do you listen to when you're just sitting there drinking red wine? And she goes, I don't know. That was more of a high school thing. And I said, okay, what top five songs did you mope to, like, in high school when, like, some boy didn't talk to you? And she's like, oh, I can do that. No problem. And that was, like, a month ago, and it just took over. And so we have done probably every employee here in the building, you know, with a whole bunch of people. We've all done it, and so we've done the top five songs you moped to, and no two lists have been the same. Really? So we're kind of finishing up. We're having Sean. It's kind of therapeutic. It is. In a way. And it's sort of traumatic but freeing at the same time. Can I just hear, even though I know your listeners already know it, Rick, what were your top five moping songs? Um, let's see if I can remember them. No particular order. I can't remember the order. Um, and we and the thing is, that, and the rule was, they could be from any era, but they had to have been listened to in high school. And you couldn't lie. Like, there was no, you couldn't make the list cooler than it was. In high school, when some girl wouldn't talk to me, top five songs I moped to in no particular order. Cinderella, don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the support. Uh, Garth Brooks, The Dance. What? Uh, right. Garth Brooks, I can't lie. I'm not, well, not going to make it yeah. cooler than I was. Yeah. Garth Brooks, The Dance. Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Oh, Jesus. Pictures of You by The Cure. Okay. Uh, Changes by Black Sabbath. Wow. Um... And I and there was the, the, the other one I can't remember. I think that was five. For the yeah, but we do an honorable mention, so it's usually oh, okay. but I can't remember what the eleven was. And what about you, Sarah? I can't remember all of mine. My my number one was um expose, I'll never get over you getting over me. Yeah. Phillips, uh, you're in love, the cure love song. I can't remember the rest of it. I can't it remember like the Alanis Morissette song. Yeah. Uh I got one. Uh Peter Gabriel in your eyes. Oh yeah? No? Yeah. The, mm. that's Mope to Peter that Gabriel. First, no that lie. first Tom drum as it starts. Just hits you right in the heart. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's the thing is, and doing these lists, you were like, it was traumatic, but at the same time, when it was done, you were like, all right, I made my way through that tunnel. It was like you could leave it behind finally. I don't know. I play the next couple of tracks of awful songs and just go right into it. So, we, all right, Sean, we uh, so we're wrapping it up. So we had to, we put a thing up on my MySpace page. It was a contest. Like everybody, post your top five. We'll randomly pick one. So and was there a couple that you would hear and you go, oh yeah? <laughs> we, well, and it's funny. The, the the realization we came to is that a lot of these songs, it's like they're cheesy any other time. But when you're really depressed, all the cheesiness falls away, and you're mm -hmm. like, this song, Def Leppard, Love Bites. I mean, that's it. Where yeah. I live, man. So we're going to do Sean's, and then tomorrow we're going to do Lisa Desjardins from CNN, and then we'll be done. Ladies and gentlemen, without five, further ado, here's your top four, five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. <laughs> Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, listener Sean presents his top five teenage moping songs of all time. Hello, Sean. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for coming in. Um, you got a good voice. All right. Do you want to preface yeah, this do. in any way? Uh, the whole list or each song? Just or... uh, give an overall before we do this. Uh, no, each song. I, I've got a couple notes about each song. Right. And so, yeah. All right. So, uh, without Great fr- voice. Honorable Sexy. mention. Like Queen, that. All Dead, All Dead. See, this album was the first album I ever bought. It, I don't normally favor Brian May songs, and uh, and I don't. I, rumor has it this was actually penned by Brian May, and piano was even by Brian May. But it's got some great harmonies, and it's off News of the World. It's Queen, All Dead, All Dead. Yeah. Are you hitting the post there? <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Wow. Oh, that bitch. I like people who go for the depth tracks, too. You know? <laughs> There's a couple on this album that are stellar. Oh, that terrible person. Well, there's Beatles all over this. You know, for it, it's definitely got a hook to it that's... Yeah. You almost don't associate it with Queen, but I, I'm totally fine with it. And this is so Brian May wrote the piece of Freddie Mercury singing here. No, is it not Freddie Mercury? No, it's it's he's doing the harmonies, but uh, but it's, it's Brian, Brian May, May singing this all the way. This is Brian through. May, really? And he he seems to have a penchant for writing songs like this. There's another song called "Sail Away, Sweet Sister," right. which uh, is off the game, and and he he's got a, a dark side. Did so. you uh, have you ever heard that song? Too much love will kill you. Yeah, I have, dude. Brian May on his solo album after Queen, you know, after Freddie Mercury died, he did this song called Too Much Love Will Kill You, which is also on Made in Heaven, which is that sort of post-mortem Queen album, which isn't very good. It's a song called Too Much Love Will Kill You, and dude, it just, I mean, the first time I heard it, it ruined me. Like, it yeah. just devastated. I was like, wanted to sit in a black room for like a week after hearing that. <laughs> really? Man. Well done, sir. All right. Listener Sean's top five teenage moping songs. Number five, Oh, Girls Everywhere Will Love You. Jeff Buckley, Alleluia. Mm. All right. To many people, the definitive version of this Leonard Cohen uh, no, song. No, I agree. I think he completely owns this mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, uh, and then it, when you see it, uh, I I got to see this song on the West Wing too. Right, season three finale. And so I was like, oh wow, I forgot how. When C. J. Craig's uh, Secret Service, when Mark Harmon gets gunned yeah. down, this is the song. And it's great. It's got some religious imagery, obviously, just beyond the title. And the song is it's owned by Jeff Buckley. You really do have like an NPR kind have of. Have you a... have you worked in radio? Uh, no. Would you like a job in radio? <laughs> Have you ever met a real I don't know DJ, Sean? Would you like to try my sweaty balls? <laughs> Have you seen that? Uh, there's a website called the Hallelujah Project, which is oh, just no. an attempt to collate on one webpage every single version of the song, and they're, they're already at like 250 or something. This is the most covered song, most covered pop song in Canadian history. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm and it was on only it. written like 20 years ago. Great song. Jesus Christ. I know. Do you know this song? Never heard it before. It's amazing. It's a Leonard Cohen song. I'm an upbeat kind of guy, but I gotta say that you know songs like this. You were talking about being cathartic, and I need songs like yeah. this. We all need songs like this. <laughs> such a bummer. It is. It's a total downer. I mean, and the was version. Was an episode of my so-called life? Is that what I'm remembering? No, but it was on the West Wing at one point. Yeah. And it's been covered by a whole lot of people. The Leonard Cohen version has been used a lot. The John Cale version. 
uh, Rufus Wainwright. You know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of an end of the episode of this really touching episode of Scrubs. When it's like, what all three of them start out with. That was this. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Again, listener Sean's top five teenage moping songs. Number four, XTC, Your Dictionary. Yes! Bitter. I could not find a copy of this. I was going to put this on mine. Joni DeRoshi is smiling somewhere. Yeah. This is, Joni DeRoshi talks about this song a lot. Joni DeRoshi, who directed Bigger Than Jesus, she says, this is the reason you don't want to piss off a songwriter. Oh, exactly. <laughs> because he will screw finger. you like you have oh. never been screwed. And he gets the he gets the last word, and I, don't, I have no idea what his life's, and Wait, man, never heard what her story oh, it's is. Amazing. It's all telling the story of their divorce, right? Yeah, that's what I had heard. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm going to go with that. I just like the last line is talking about um, how there's no ring on his finger yeah. anymore and how it's pretty She sounded like not a real sweetheart. I wish they would tour. I know, I know why they don't. He's kind of spiteful the way that you really have to be British to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Americans can't get that snark on the way the British can. Angry little man. Not you. XTC also does a good job of writing uh, happy songs about sad things, and this is kind of a sad song about a sad thing, and so it kind of stood out for me. All right, well done. Uh, listener Sean's top five teenage moping songs. Number three, well done. Crowded House into Temptation. Look at you. Mm. This is one of the best songs ever written. I'm a big ever, fan. Ever. This album is so strong. It's Temple of dark. Men. Yeah, it's brutal. You opened up your door. I have a songwriting friend of mine who says that this is the single best pop creation ever made. Uh, he believes that to his core. This song? Yeah. Um, this is perhaps the best song ever written about an affair, about, you know, be, being unfaithful. Because it it covers everything from the seduction to the regret to being angry at her for seducing you to being angry at yourself for like you know you doing it and you know it's just it, he covers every base Neil Finn in this song. I mean, it's, Sean, you just scored the biggest home run here. Look at the affirmation you're getting from uh, <laughs> that does feel good uh, these are good songs though I mean yeah I default to this mood when I'm you know alone in my car and as happy as I'll ever be I still listen to these yeah. songs and he has that great line into temptation safe in the wide open arms of hell even in the middle of a good day you gotta hear this song <laughs> just to spoil it <laughs> it's like me once a year I'll still watch the movie My Life just to get reset <laughs> That movie, I need to just get... Are you holding your hands up at the end on the roller coaster? Yeah. Oh, I, I ball oh, God, every I time. think about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing with the dad, helping him shave him. That's, that movie... Your mom's going to fill your head with a lot of show tunes, don't you? Yeah. That movie will mess your head up. Ugh. It is one of the most real movies I've ever seen in my life. One of the most honest movies about relationships. And he has this line here, As I turned to go, you looked at me for half a second with an open invitation. Crowded House oh. got a weird reputation. Oh man, they're brilliant. Uh, they brilliant. are, and I don't want to even call them underrated. Oh. It's just they never really caught on nope. in the states. Not in the states. But boy, this album is there's some dark. Counting down the top five teenage moping songs for listeners. Sean, number two, the Jayhawks. What is the name of the song? Blue. Blue. Okay. No, I normally don't 
I normally kind of steer away from some of the more twangy stuff, but right. the harmonies on this, and uh, actually it was the video that kind of sold me on this song the first time I ever heard it. Where have all my friends gone? They've all disappeared. Boy, this is like an honorary almost famous song. Mm -hmm. You could totally see William Miller just doing something like this. Good call. Your list rules. Thanks. You totally fool. I, I love music. I love Sean. Garth Brooks and Cinderella. <laughs> I, I suck. Sean, you want to go ahead and give out your phone number for the ladies up there? Connecting with you emotionally right now. Let's all just make out. Instead. <laughs> all oh, right. Speaking of that, I do have presents for you guys after we're done. Speaking of making out, making out. Well, it's not that kind of. Uh oh. Present. Anybody okay. got a shoehorn and some butter spray? <laughs> Get ready. Listener Sean's top five teenage moping songs. Number one. Speaking of almost famous, Elton John, "Someone to Love Me." Yeah. What's up, bitches? Someone saved my life tonight, and it's it's epic. I mean, it's it talk about covering a lot of ground. Wow. Your list is like way deeper than any of ours. Yeah, I feel like five or so. I don't know when this was released, but I don't think I've ever stopped listening. To this song. So these are songs you all listen to when you listen to when you were younger? Yep. How, can I ask how old you are? I'm 40. No. I would never have guessed that. I would never guess that. You lie. Which is almost 40, but you know. Shut up. <laughs> all right. Well done, Sean. I was homeschooled, so some of my, my, high, my high school years were extended out a little bit to order to accommodate this list. Homeschooled by your mom, Dad? Mm -hmm. Did I, mom play these songs for you? Uh, this one, yeah, I was Elton John and the Beatles. I haven't heard this wow. song forever. Oh, great song! Every every yeah. other mix. Sugar Bear. Yeah. I don't know nearly as much Elton John as I should. You know, Sugar Bear. I had to look it up. I got it confused, but it's about Long John Baldry. Uh, he, I guess, <laughs> I don't. He's a singer from the seventies, right, I guess. Right. Okay. But he sort of rescued Elton John one night and said, "You are not getting married to this woman." And you know it. And I'm going to take you home. And, and that's what this is about. Yeah. But, and I'm going to take you home. And what? <laughs> hey, you kind of trailed off there at the end. Yeah, you kind of fill in the blanks. Someone ended up getting diddled. Listener Sean, well done. Thank Congratulations, you. my friend. Listener Thank Sean's you. top five. All right. We come back. Craig Gass, you'll tell the Tommy Lee story. Yeah. I'm, uh, what are you going to take me to that emotional level and go, and then we're going to come back. I'm and gonna abuse Craig's going to talk about his penis. Use you and abandon you. <laughs> all right. All back right. after this, the Rick Emerson show. Sean. Don't go anywhere. Emerson radio program. I can't believe this day is almost over. This has been a fun show. It has. It's been action-packed. I mean, we haven't had a celebrity death, which usually happens when uh, when Tim is gone. But, uh, I mean, this show's been, and I mean this in a good way, all over the place today. We have my whole lament about clothing and standing outside in front of my house at four in the morning wearing my boxer shorts today. Uh, and then we had that weird discussion about Sarah Palin with that guy where we somehow became a serious... Uh, you know, show for like 10 minutes. 
Then we had the, you know, Timmy Ryan. I only got beat twice today. Craig Gass, uh, who got beat twice, so you're tied with Gass. Uh, then we had that great top five. And I, uh, so uh, listener Sean was too, uh, he was too modest to do this on the air, but he uh, he brought some lovely gifts for us. He brought Tim a vintage advertisement for the Queen single Fat Bottom Girls uh, back to Bicycle Race. He, it's an original ad from the NME, which is the New Music Express, uh, which is a, the legendary British music paper. He brought a, a vintage ad for that. He brought Sarah a bottle of absinthe and uh, a mix CD and uh, whatever and some other stuff. Uh, what else did he bring you? He got me an incredibly fancy bottle of absinthe, which is so awesome. Which is kind of making me question myself because I have received so much alcohol this, yes. this birthday. Oh, by the way. Oh, no. Uh, here's your second half. Uh, I bought you showgirls. <gasps> oh, thank you, Rick. It's widescreen, baby. Letterbox. Oh, my gosh. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. There you I'm go. Totally... Apparently, it's got some bonus featurette, too. Oh. I resisted the urge to swap that with mine because mine isn't that good. I'm going to go from showgirls to Henry Rollins today. It's going to be a glorious day. Here's the reason I love you is because it's, I didn't have to explain the fact or explain it with it's clearly I paid $3 for it. Oh, Or no, whatever. Yay. How much did I pay? You only paid $8. Oh, I paid $8. So, and there it's you a widescreen special feature and also has a behind-the-scenes featurette. See, with some people, you'd have to, like, take all that stuff off and make it look new. Ah, no. I know that you don't care about such you things. Know what, you know what matters, Rick? That's what's on the inside, okay? Yes. All right, showgirls? Yeah? I like the hot tub scene. The what? No, isn't there, like, is it the There's hot a swimming tub? pool no, scene. No, the pool scene. The Sorry. epileptic the sex? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually... Forget it. Won't even go in there. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Timmy Ryan. No, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Actually, this just came across the wire, and I'm loosely connected to it. As and I have sort of a connection mm-hmm. to it. Uh, an astronaut from Oregon has been scheduled to make his second trip into space. Don Pettit, a native of Silverton, will be aboard the next space shuttle's mission to the International Space Station. The shuttle Endeavor is set to launch from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida on November 14th. And the reason why I'm connected to that is because Don Pettit is the brother of Bob Pettit, who used to be a drummer for my band. So Which band? Uh, there was a lot of them. I had a bunch of, like, kind of, like... I like how you do the world-weary sigh, too. No, I don't know. No. I've been all over this crazy world no, no, playing no, no, music. No. I, I actually... Living the, life on the edge, out on the open road, just my, you and your guitar. On my own, the, the furthest south I ever went was Northern California, and Seattle was the furthest uh, north. So, But anyway, there you go. So he... Excellent. I never met the guy, but that's his, that's his brother. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. How you doing? What's up? I got some top five suggestions. I don't know if you've done these yet. I was thinking of Journey, Genesis, and Sticks. I would be uh, ill-equipped to do any of those top fives. Uh, I would not be able to, to do. Uh, I would not be able to do a top five for any of those bands. I could be able to do sticks, but that's about it. You could probably do. Timmy Ryan, could you do like a journey top five? No. See, and I don't. Yeah, I, there's like it's like asking me to do like a uh, like a Night Ranger top five. There should be no way I could do that. Um, we could maybe throw that out to the people. Yeah, I would be incapable of putting that together. But uh, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to front. So uh, you know, it, it's a good idea. We'd have to find somebody else to do it. All right. All right. And anything else today, sir? That's all. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There you go. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, for clarification, so I did misidentify that Elton John song. It is Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Uh, That is the name of that song from Sean's Top 5, which is really great, man. I mean, that was just deep and weighty and layered and... That's one of those people, you know how we have that guy in for um, Birth of a Salesman? He reminded right. me of that same type of person. Just like very friendly, comfortable in their own skin. Like solid, centered in himself. Solid, exactly. Exactly. All right. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yep. Well, 
realize he's on the radio. Sitting there. This doesn't work nearly as well as Lycus' music when he does this. Hello, it's you, sir. Rick. For the love of God. Hang up. Hello? All right. Well, thanks Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, All right. Shall we break? Yeah, let's just get this last break out of the... We will, we will break. Uh, we'll do this. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. More from Timmy Ryan around the corner. Uh, final thoughts from Craig. Gas. Don't forget, uh, he's going to be at the back alley in Vancouver both Friday and Saturday. Uh, Friday and Saturday. You can go to uh, myspace.com slash Craig Gas. Two S's to find that more. Stay there. We return. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Richie, am I supposed to be picking up this? All right, there's, it's funny. There's a woman on the line, and yet she's already been screamed, but yet the phone is picked up for a long period of time. Hmm. That's a shock. All right. Uh, so, and so forth. All right, so we probably, I think, uh, Gas is busy doing something right now. He's doing a phoner or something with somebody. So, uh, I, but I do believe he's going to be back on Friday. Yes, I think. I think so. I think you said, yeah, toward the end of the week sometime. So, comedian Craig Gas, you can find out more at myspace.com slash Craig Gas. Two S's. Uh, he has a shows at the back alley in Vancouver, Friday and Saturday. And I think he'll be back in the studio with us this coming Friday. So, uh, and uh, this is all true. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Nina Parker from TMZ and I think uh, maybe Peter Carlin. I'm not sure. Uh, this Wednesday, though, we're going to be carrying the final presidential debate live on the air. But I can I tell you, and this is really not just because of that conversation we had earlier. Uh, and, you know, and then, of course, the raft of <laughs> the raft of you being mean to Sarah Palin emails that we got. Uh, it's just, I think I've reached the point where I'm really ready for this to be done. I think I am ready for this freaking election it's to be here. It's almost not even fun anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of reaching the point where it's just, it, it just, it's just, it, I just, I think I'm done with it. I think I'm through. Uh, but this Wednesday, we will be carrying the final presidential debate, 6 o'clock this Wednesday, with wraparound uh, uh, anchoring from CNN Radio. I think it's Steve Kastenbaum and Bob Costantini. And running commentary during the debate. From Tim Riley, myself, and Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin. So you don't need to wait to afterward to hear the spin. You can hear it during the debate itself. All right. Uh, hello, Timmy Ryan. How are you? Sup? All right. Do we have any final headlines? Yeah, we never got to the uh, Maureen uh, McCormick, who played Marsh on the Brady Bunch, being a co-core. Let's do that. Then we'll take this call about Journey, and then we'll probably be Okay, let's be through this. All right. As Marsha Brady and the... As Marsha Brady on the Brady Bunch, Maureen McCormick projected an image of the wholesome girl next door, but off camera, she spiraled downward into drug addiction and depression. Now 52, McCormick writes 52. about her... 52, Jesus. Yeah, we were, we were talking about she looks like Melissa Etheridge. In she looks like a kind of glammed up, like if you gave Melissa yeah. Etheridge like a Mary Kay makeover. All right. Now 52, McCormick writes about her struggles in a new memoir. Doesn't this seem like about 15 years too late? Yeah. I, I think we're all kind of past caring about the Brady Bunch. Yes. Here's the story. Surviving Marsha Brady and finding my true voice hitting stores tomorrow. She discusses her romance with TV sibling Barry Williams, which we already knew about. Her dates with Michael Jackson, Steve Martin, cocaine binges, and parties at the Playboy Mansion, uh, as well as an unwanted pregnancy and trading sex for drugs. See, that's almost worth getting her on the show. We should think about that. about it? Well, she's doing publicity for the book. She must be. I, I think we should probably like do that. She's a co-core. Anywho. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, all I wanted to say is I am a big-ass Journey fan, and I would like to have dibs on creating a top five. So if we do a Journey top five, you want to be the one putting that together? Heck yes. Please and mostly thank you. All right. Uh, does Richie have your contact info? I suspect he does because it seems like he was talking to you for like an hour. 
Yeah, actually, coming back on with him, I'll uh, be sure. We're actually buddies on MySpace, but... <laughs> All right, okay, I'm going to put you on, and uh, we'll let Richie get in touch with you. All right, hold on. Richie, if you want to talk to, uh, talk to her. All right. And, okay. You know, and here's the thing. You just sound exhausted. It's been a hell of a day, man. It Not has. a ba- It's been a great show. I think it's, today's show is really, really good. I put it solidly in the win column. I give it a big thumbs up. I am just freaking worn out, though. I am just absolutely just uh, <sighs> just beat. Uh, and we never even got to, I, we never even talked to Timmy Ryan about some unpleasantness that happened to him yesterday. We should have you come back tomorrow just for that. How right. are you calling me? Right. Well, Tim, Tim Riley likely back tomorrow. 90% chance he's back. But uh, we should have you come by anyway tomorrow. Right. And I want to hear more about this living situation that we were going to talk about. That's today. what I'm talking about All right, right there, yeah. Okay. All right, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents, Lisa Desjardins, Amanda Moyer, and, of course, Craig Gass, as well as uh, Timmy Ryan today. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Eric Stone for AM970, the talker in the newsroom, Timmy Ryan on the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, uh, and, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with me Reynolds. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grinning down. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Solid State Radio. You understand that, you f***ing